Maxi. What up? We're you back. Look, you look exactly the same as when I left you. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to lose some weight, you know? As some of you may know, I'm now in a relationship, have been for what? Over one and a half years. And it's starting away on me, you know. I heard I heard about this stuff from I was watching Instagram and they said that relationship weight is a thing. So Oh I would yeah. I would know about that. I, I would Yeah, you wouldn't know about that. Yeah. I yeah, work hard out, to keep this shape. Yeah. You know, rodeo barrel, it's a shape. That's what it I is work shape, on. you know. Yeah. You know? Um all right, Max. Well, we are back. It's been quite a time. Uh, let's just, you know, I say we just get right into it uh, and yeah. let's get recording because people have been asking when the next podcast is, you know what? We actually have so much to talk about that we're going to do two because that's how much we have to talk about. So with that said, let's drop our intro. You may not agree with everything we say, but it's definitely worth a listen. And our pick, can you stop whatever you're doing? Join your host, Leslie the Great, with co-hosts and guests as they get together <laughs> to chat our city. Hey, after that race that I watched this morning, I have to talk about it. Yes, 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 indeed. Nitro's the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 263 of the No Name RC podcast. I'm yours, Kino White, a.k.a. Lefty the Great. And over to my retro left is the arrogant one, professor of everything, pisser off of nations, and admitted a mistake, actually, while a while back. So, you know, he is not... He is human, after all. The great one, Maximus Mortimus. What's up, Maxi? I'm good. You know, I've been kind of like missing this. I kind of almost, you know, forgot we are podcasters. You know, it's well, been so long. It's like when when I joined the studio, like it read AMS Next on your, you know, where I have the professor of everything. Like you had AMS Next. Yes. AMS was what it was like a month ago? Five weeks ago. So that's yeah, that's the last time it was on here. So. Uh, yeah, I actually think this was the this was the longest break that I've I've had from the podcast in five years since it started. Yeah. But luckily you had all kinds of old podcasts to put out and people yep. to comment that oh my god, how can you say this? <laughs> oh yeah, that's we are so 
yeah, we're re- remastering some podcasts that uh, I've done audio only and putting them up that aren't on YouTube because the goal is to have all of these podcasts on YouTube at the end of the day. So I've got a few more to do. Uh, we did drop almost a seven-hour podcast before I left, which is actually really popular with Ryan Styles Harris. It's almost up to 4,000 views on YouTube and about 4,000 on the audio only. So it's a, excuse me, a very popular podcast. So thank you to him. I got to hang out with him a little bit in, that, at, in Florida, at the RC, Florida RC Championships. With that said, Max, um, let's get in. Let's say our thank yous to all of our sponsors. Uh, this is probably our one of our second to last recorded show of the year. Uh, and I want to thank all of these sponsors for supporting or companies supporting the No Name RC podcast over the last year of 2023. They are obviously InvisibleSpeed.net, High Tech RC, Sumpadal USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Hot Race Tires, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Ignite Design RC, Bringing Gas Trucks Back, Stacked RC, Donovan RC, Racecraft USA. Shout out, obviously, to the Florida RC Championships, WRCE, uh, now Elite RC Productions. I'll, t- I'll touch a little bit on that a little bit more. Shout out to my boy Gene Strout Jr. If you want to get any cars built or anything built, check him out. House of RC, obviously RCGP, and our drivers, David Ronafolk, Jared Tebow, Robert Battier, Alexander Hagberg, and now newly inducted into our drivers is uh, Mexico's favorite stock racer, uh, Maddie Gonzalez, who actually got a new job. And we need to talk about that as well. Thank you to all of those companies. Thank you to all of you out there that support the podcast over the year. Thank you to the patrons and uh, YouTube members as well. If you wish to support this podcast a little bit more, you can. There's links for the patron uh, uh, patron and YouTube membership. You will get early access. And we have some patron YouTube giveaways coming up soon. Uh, we thank all of you for everything that you've, you've supported us with. And we greatly appreciate it over the last year. If you are a company and you wish to, you think this is a great platform, you want to advertise on this podcast, hit me up. We are looking for companies going into next year, and there will be a limit. I think we're going to limit it to a, a certain supply, a certain number. And I know a lot of these companies are coming back, so I'm also thankful about that. If you can help, if you really want to help the podcast, there are links in the written description of this podcast. We have affiliate links, we have coupon codes, and some of we just have links to these companies. If you purchase anything from them, please just say, hey, we heard about you on the, on the No Name RC podcast. All right, Max, uh, real quick, I wanted to shout out. I know I don't have much birthdays. It's been a long time. I missed so many birthdays. But one that that, that stunned out was uh, Elliot Boots' dad, Chris Boots, who I've become pretty good friends with. Happy birthday to him. He's a, he's a fiery gentleman when it comes to RC, and he he, he don't take no shit, and I like it. He's a, uh, Me and him, you know, when I've seen him at races, I've talked to him. I always treat him with respect. Say, hey, Mr. Boots, and we have a conversation when I've seen him. So shout out to him. Happy birthday to him. Also, uh, in somber news, well, not somber news, but I want people to bring, to bring some attention to this. Uh, my friend at Alcon Models, which is fifth scale cars, he uh, he sent this to me. One of their drivers uh, down in, well, a fifth scale driver down in um, Australia, Mr. Callan. Let me see. I've, I've got to get his name, but he is actually suffering through cancer at the moment and they have started a GoFundMe to help uh to help just with uh with with the um medical fees right you know so a beautiful northern Gold Coast family has been enduring through a rough patch of late 
I need our support. Callan Gunn, father to Jane and Stella, 10 and Harper 7, and beloved husband of Andrea, local business owner and avid wakeboard and Australian RC champion and enthusiast has been battling non-Hodgkin's peripheral T-cell lymphomas since 2022. Today, Kyle has had chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and stem cell therapy. Many of this may seem a world away, but for an amazing young family, this has unfortunately become the norm battling disease. So, uh, unfortunately, this young, this gentleman was uh, diagnosed with this. They've raised almost thirty-two thousand. They've raised over thirty-two thousand Australian dollars. I'm not sure how much that shakes out into dollars, but if you guys can, there is a GoFund for him. Let's help out one of our our RC family. And if we can, if we can help out and make that family a little bit, uh, actually, you have it up there. So, good, good chat. Uh, good stuff. Uh, there's, there's Mr. Callan and I hope that this, you know, he has a beautiful young family there and I hope that, uh, he works out for them and they, and they find something and people help him out because cancer sucks. Fuck cancer. And, um, yeah, thank you to everybody that supported that. That's really good to see. It's always good to help out our RC community any way that we can. Uh, so I wish him all the best and please I'll leave a link for this in the written description of this podcast. All right, Max. So uh, as I was saying, we, we have so much to talk about that we have decided not to do a seven and people like, we're joking. What are you going to do? Like a 24 hour podcast or, you know, a 10 hour podcast this time. So no, I mean, seven hours or six hours and 51 minutes. Just short, short of seven hours was a bit long. Uh, but we had a lot to talk about that day. So I, I believe that we are going to split this podcast up into two two shows. So it's going to be, this is 263. Obviously, the next one is 264. Uh, also, I'll have my, we'll have our annual live Christmas show next week, Thursday at around 4 p.m. EST. Uh, we're doing it a little bit early. It's going to be myself, JQ. You're going to be on vacation, but you're going to be helping to produce. And, uh, we're doing it early because we're going to get the Europeans involved. We have a couple European prizes. We have a couple of companies. We have a few companies that have stepped up to give prizes. We have Sampadal USA, uh, who's given some batteries, who are also the distributors. Uh, Hefty is the distributor of Corsatec, so he's going to he's throwing in a Corsatec engine and pipe combo as well to raffle off. JQ is giving something away, Invisible Sea course, and a book, I believe. Donovan RC has stepped up with some custom needs. Techno has given me some gift certificates. Um, who else? Hot Race has given me some tires for Europe as well as uh, um, USA. Car RC, thank you to Car RC. We're starting a new par- uh, new partnership as well going into 2024. So they'll be on the they'll be advertising. We'll have we're supposed to have their buddy Mike on to discuss it, but I'm gonna have another. I'm gonna have a live before the end of the year. Uh, lefty off the record, I'll have him on that. But we have some cool stuff from Car RC. I'm hoping I get this before next Thursday so I can show you guys and um. It's we got some we got some we got some yeah I got some gifts from Carl RC they stepped up and if I'm missing somebody uh I don't know but I have to reach out to a few more companies within uh the podcast to see if they want to give away some stuff uh I want to you know I got to hit up Clinic RC um High Tech I'm waiting for an answer back from them because I think they're going on vacation. And yeah, if you're a company that wants to donate something to the giveaway of uh, next week, it goes away to it gives away to our our followers, our supporters. Uh, obviously, I also have a patron only one, patron YouTube member only one as well. I will say that most of this is for America. 
So if you do win it in Europe, if you're willing to pay for shipping, you can you can get it. I am going to have a, f- a few Europe-based ones. i got to hit up Andrew Rennick of that Rennick Model 2 and see if he can help me out with something as well as like he did last year. Shout out to them. So that's going to happen. And then we'll have one more lefties off the record, uh, probably after Christmas. And then actually, <laughs> well, let's, you know, I'm on the road again. So but we'll talk about that in a second. Max, real quick. And uh, what have you been up to? Uh, are you you're out of school right now for vacation, right? Well, not necessarily. I, I still have some stuff to do, but uh, all of it is just returning stuff. So I'll be leaving tomorrow to go to Northern Finland, go ski a little bit, uh, hang out with my parents and my girlfriend's parents and spend the holidays uh, over there. Then, yeah, that's kind of my plan for the next week. So today is to push out a whole day of podcasting and then um, try to enjoy. But yeah, so far, just just cool. I've been doing some designing and uh, yeah, you're working on that truggy, right? Yeah, I've been working on that truggy. Um, it's it's coming along pretty well, pretty well. Um, we should be having some some stuff um, for our MPC members, hopefully next year. So, well, there were quite be, a few at AMS uh, when I went there. So yeah, that yeah, was good. I been, got to see them. Yeah, it's been a great project so far. I think. Uh, it's been sort of nice to have people getting more involved because it's, I think, you know, in current, current RC scene, like so many people are, you know, making their own parts, modifications on their own, but then the manufacturer usually, you know, they maybe steal a bit from there or, you know, take that and then release it on their own. But like, it's never really any credit. It's never really any contact. It's kind of like, some of the top drivers sees it, like mm-hmm. thinks it's a good idea, tells the manufacturer. But I think here it's pretty cool because like people can actually have input and, you know, be part of it. But yeah, mostly just school, you know, that's, okay. that's my life these days. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I mean, it's, it's something important, right? School is important yeah. and um, it's something you want to do. So you have to, you have to do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I literally, so I just wanted to reiterate, thank you to all of those companies that are donating. Remember our Christmas show will be next Thursday, four o'clock EST, more or less. I'll confirm I'll have a banner up and all that good stuff. So obviously I got home Monday at five in the morning, concluded a pretty much almost five weeks in America, which was exceptionally fun. I had a lot of good, I had fun. It was it, I'm not gonna lie. It was a lot of work. We had very little time done. It was like race after race after race. I maybe got three to four days off in total at that whole time where I didn't have to, I wasn't at a race. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you to, first off, I wanted to say thank you to Lance McDonald uh, for all his help doing that. Obviously we're staying in his camper. uh, And then I was staying at his house with his wife and his dogs and they treated me very nice. And his dogs liked me so much, except Nugget, but Nugget doesn't really like anybody. He's one of them golden doodles. There's a very, and he's very poodle like, so super tall, but great dogs. Um, obviously, I was traveling around with Danny Paz, Gene Shroud Jr., and Patrick Rossiter. And we are, we are, and Lance, we are now the Elite RC Productions team. That's a company that we have formed. And, we're, you know, obviously, we're going around, we're doing the productions of these races, but we're also looking at other things. Uh, 
you know, e- even if what the problem is, we want to do a lot, but it's you know, we we got to take everything in a state in stages right now. It's the production. Uh, we might be doing. We, we're planning on doing some other things as well. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get. We want to get a website up, all that type of stuff. So basically, we're, we're trying to be like that. We're trying to fill that void and have a proper USA world as well, but mostly focus on USA because obviously that's where we're going to be. Uh, news site type of thing as well. We, we're, we're talking about doing a virtual series. Uh, I want to, you know, I want to do it with the race time events. We still have to, we have to get permission for that and all that type of stuff. Uh, but yeah, we kind of want to pick some races, make a virtual series, start it off from the year. I want to anyway, kind of like what we did with the NNRC Cup, right? And but we have so many other things going on. But yeah, Elite RC Productions is up and running. Uh, it's us five, and we we make a great team. I had a lot of fun with them. I wanted to say thank you to all those guys for just helping me, having a great time with us all together. And I greatly appreciate that that support. Secondly, and firstly, also, uh, I should have said this first, but thank you to all the people that make this happen. You know, with these waffles that people support, uh, they don't have to do it, uh, you know, but they do. We just concluded one with uh, J Concepts Tyrolot, and then we just sold out another one with the uh, Race Time Entertainment special package where you get as many, you know, you got free entries and you get special practice stuff and all that type of goodness thank you to everybody that has supported these waffles over the last year it has become that money has gone 100 100% into if it wasn't for those waffles i wouldn't be going through these races right and it has it has allowed me to as well uh become a, a commentator it's allowed me to go to races and meet people that support me uh allowed to be a part of the team which I, I really enjoy. And honestly, this has been a, a very exceptional 2023. I counted 17 events that I went to in total this year, including Carpet Nationals, where I just stopped and ended up doing some interviews. But it's I did not, if you would have told me at the beginning of 2023, I would have been flying so much. Uh, I would have said, no, you're crazy. 2024 is looking to be even more so. In fact, I, I am out of her January 3rd. I go to Beast of the East. Shout out to them. See everybody at Beast of the East. That's going to be the first big indoor race on the East Coast. SIC and then Florida RC Championships. I'm taking probably for, for, I'm probably taking February off, but there's some talk about me going to South Africa as well to the Zartwatch track. I was talking to a gentleman about that. I have to reconnect with him. March I know a lot of people say, like, are you going to, I don't think I'm going to DNC unless I got a call to go to DNC, but I think I'm just going to take it easy because I'm going to IBC. Uh, I was just talking to uh, Mr. Duras yesterday and I have, I have to look for tickets for that. And then it's like, I think from March until who knows, man, it's going to be busy, busy, busy. Right. Uh, so we have a lot of things go- cooking in the fire. I do apologize to everybody that we were gone for five weeks, but to be honest, um, to find the time and place to record would have been very difficult uh, on this trip. So the, that's the downside, right? Going on these trips, they're good because I come back and I'm able to, I mean, I, I'm really not trying to go for five weeks again. Like, I mean, two weeks at the most, maybe a three week stretch or just under three weeks, maybe, but I'm, uh, it's just been exceptional. I want to thank everybody. It's true. I've, it's truly been an honor to be a part of the Florida RC championships been an honor to be part of Wicked Weekend and all these races, going to Mark Moon's races, Brent's races at uh, Pro-Am and Lake Wakama, Masters of Dirt, going to the Florida Carpet Championships as well twice. That was ex- really exceptional. 
the 12 scale worlds and and all the other races the nationals this year pmb uh ibc all that i mean it's just been great and meeting new people meeting supporters and friends making new friends all that type of stuff it has been an exceptional year of that for me and i i want to thank everybody out there that supports the no name rc podcast and supports me and what we're doing what what I, what i'm doing with the commentary and elite rc productions what we're doing here on the podcast because none of that is possible without that support right so thank you thank you thank you i appreciate it and um and we're looking forward to 2024 i have missed recording so i'm happy to be recording we're here i had a blast i went so just so people know i went to ams then it was uh, Florida Copper Championships, which was a quick turnaround. Then it was Callahan, Florida RC Championships, their last round, which was great. We had Thanksgiving dinner. It was exceptional. Then it was uh, Brent's Race, Fall Brawl, Lake Wakama. Then, obviously, this last weekend, I was at the 12-scale worlds at Beachline RC Raceway. And today, we will talk about the 12-scale worlds, AMS, and Florida Copper Championships. In the next podcast that releases, we'll talk about you know, we have a few, we have it's so many races out there to talk about and stuff like that. There's so much new silly season news to talk about. We have to play catch up and all that stuff. So that's why we're splitting this up into two podcasts and all that good stuff. Uh, so thank you, everybody. I greatly appreciate it. I got to meet so many people. Thank you. One love. I love you all. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Max. With that said, I do have a mail call. This came in while uh, I was away. And it's going to be a new partnership as well going into 2023. Uh, this person reached out to me. And while I say that, let me, let, you know what? Let me switch over my cameras and get ready for this and make some space on my desk. Because, you know, we're getting all fancy here. Getting all fancy here at the NNRC. All right. So you see we're getting all fancy here at the NNRC. We got, we got all the cameras set up now. I don't, I don't know. I got inspired. So just before I was flying out of her, uh, Mark Santa Maria, who's been on this podcast a few times, and obviously you know who Mark Santa Maria is of Mark Santa Maria's his YouTube channel. Great dude. He has been into RC for many years. His YouTube channel is booming. Uh, he is he, it's a lot of bashing stuff and reviews and stuff, but he's also a racer and he and I believe in his mission. You know, we've become good friends over the years. Uh, and his mission is I want to make cool RC content, grow RC racing. And bring bashers over to RC. So recently, Mark, uh, well, this year, he took over the RC Box Club that Brent, well, I wouldn't say he took over, but he partnered with Brent from Beach RC for the RC Box Club, which Brent started a couple years ago. And I know Brent, he's, he's always so busy. So it's very hard with something like that to focus on it. So him, so Mark and his wife partnered up with Brent and they have taken it over. And I'm pretty sure that he's been killing it with, uh, with him and his, 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 his viewers as well, because he has uh, his YouTube channel is like 100,000 plus viewers. So he has been killing it with that. So he reached out. He said, hey, Lefty, uh, I want to I want to send you an RC box club, especially catered to cater to the NNRC. And, um, you know, I'm going to send you one every couple of months. I'm not getting one every month. But, you know, I just want you to check it out and do something. So I decided I'll do unboxing her a mail call, which I'm going to do. And um. He's not given this particular box, but one of our gifts, one of our prizes next week is a is a my RC box. Just one month uh, thing uh, box is not a full year subscription. So for those that, let me let's open this while I'm talking. So those of you who don't know, the RC box club is basically a subscription based 
uh, thing. I've seen it in other, uh, I hope I'm not cutting up the box that's in here. I've seen it in other platforms, other types of industries. And I know when Brent started it, it was the idea was you have a box, you pay a subscription monthly, and you will get uh, a box full of stuff every month. Uh, and it will be stuff that you can use, right? So let me just see. I know Mark left. He said, this was a special box. He says, not every box comes like this. So this actually came. Uh, let me get that out of the way. This actually came when, uh, so let's see. There we go. That's a cool box right there. This actually came while I was in, the, in America, and I didn't have a chance to do anything until I got to America, got home. So I wanted to unbox it, do a mail call here. And let's see what's inside of it, Max. All right. So we have this little box. This is actually jam-packed. So uh, first off the bat, we have some ultimate oils. Ooh, I, I, look, we have some good oils. I need these, these raid oils too. 100K. I need that for my monster truck, my Techno MT monster truck. So we have some ultimate oils. As you can see, let's see up there on our second camera. Let's put that over to the side. We have a Nitro Pro. I don't know what this is. Hold on, let me open this up. Nitro Pro Drew Singer, Dean Lloyd, and all those guys making servers, batteries, fuel. I know they partnered up with uh, Mark Santa Maria. Oh, hold on, let me open this up. I think this is a flag. Hold on. I know I got a mess here. Oh no, it's a towel. Oh, okay. It's like a it's like a little towel. Okay, so that's cool. Nitro Pro. They also do T-Bear servers as well. So let's put that over there as well. I got some RC blocks box stickers. Ooh, I like that. Oh, so this is like beachrc.com stickers as well. I like this sticker. That looks cool. And another set of stickers as well. So thank you. Protec RC. So I think this is next. What's up is we actually have some RC box club uh, shock, you know, like these, uh, what are these things called? Like they basically you can, uh, they're like pliers for everything. So you have shock, they're shock pliers first off, yeah. but they have different things. They have wheel nuts. You can do wheel nuts, all that type of stuff. So that's more, really more cool. cups for yeah. uh, HKL. All that that's, stuff. So that's, that's like one of the biggest things you want. Those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so more different. He said this was going to be a special package, right? It was going to be loaded with stuff. So more diff oil, which is great because I need that. So thank you once again. Ultimate racing diff oil, by the way, bought in by Beach RC. Uh, a Protec RC ride high, uh, camber gauge. Sorry. So that's cool. I know it's not showing all the best on the plastic. So we got that. Some Protec grease. Which is cool. I use this stuff, even though I use a lot of the car RC stuff. I know Mark uses the car RC. So this is your lithium white grease. That's like the same as the ultimate. Lithium. I think this I is. Use, I use that always, like the lithium one, for everything, like on the dish. It's really good. Yes, O-ring grease. Time. Good stuff, right here. This is something yeah. that you always want to use. O-ring grease for your O-rings. That yeah. looks like we have a rings, shock o rings, always o rings. Ooh, so this looks like a little S Works RC. I'm trying to yeah, get S Works to send. Yeah, I'm trying to get S Works to send me a GT. Hint, hint. I asked him live. I asked Jorn Newman and Mika at. Uh, oh no, this is a shock oil box. Oh, okay, oh, that's cool. That's good. You got a lot of shock oils, and now you get a shock oil box. 
Yes, so thank you. That's pretty cool. I like that. It's but you don't portable. you don't have an S Works uh, car, so I I'm trying to get a GT. Trying to get a GT. Yeah. Uh, two a GTs. GT My car. son wants to race. And then okay. we have a turnbuckle wrench, four millimeter and five millimeter from Protec RC. So that's a pretty cool box. Like I said, none of not all the boxes will come with this much stuff. So this was like a special NNRC catered to the NNRC. You know, obviously we're about nitro, so it's all basically pretty nitro stuff, but pretty cool. Um, I know he has his own line of tools like that Pro RC Pro, that that shock tool, sorry, that shock pliers that he had. So that was pretty cool, and I like this. That's going up on my wall. I'm not using that for anything. So thank you to Mark Santa Maria for sending this out to me. Uh, my RC box club. I'm going to just put that to the side here. I know he was supposed to send me a, a letter with it, but I think he forgot. So I just wanted to get something up with all the rates and all that stuff. And um, give me one second, everybody. I should have had this pulled up. Unprepared as usual, Lefty. So this is what he sent to me. He goes, this box is an exclusively uh, box built specifically for me. It contains samples from previous boxes that have been released. The RC Box Club is a monthly subscription service brought to you by Mark Santa Maria YouTube channel and Beach RC. Unlike most subscription boxes, RC Box does not contain overstocked or obsolete items. Each box is put together for purpose and the passion of a true RC enthusiast. So you can see that we have diff oils, we have stickers, we have stuff that all can be used here. It isn't like some off-brand we want to get rid of this type of stuff. So they have four different membership memberships. Members of the RC Box Club get at least 40% more value of for their money on RC gear. We can't they currently have four membership tiers. They have the swag box, which is a $50 a month box. It has RC gear, shirt, and stickers. Uh, they have the gear box, which is $40 a month, which has RC gear and stickers, shirt, and shirt sub. I think that's what it says. Uh, the, the sub box is $25 a month and you get shirt and stickers. And then the sticker sub is $5 a month and you get stickers only. So there are four different tiers. Like I said, this is probably a, I'm not saying this is what they get for $50, but this would be some of the stuff you would find in a $50 box. Like you said, RC gear, shirt and stickers with the gear box. You'll get RC gear and stickers with the shirt sub, sorry, which is $25 a month. You get shirt and stickers and the sticker sub you get. Uh, $5 a month, and you just get stickers. It also says, with an RCBC membership, it's like having Christmas every month. Sign up today at rcboxclub.com. I will have, uh, I will put the link for that in the written description of this podcast. Thank you to Mark Santa Maria for sending this box out to me. I was eager to see what it was when I found out he, he was sending to me. I couldn't wait to get home to see what was there. And I want to say thank you for that. If you're listening to this on the audio only side of things, maybe slip over to our YouTube and check it out and I'll uh, have a look at everything that's going to remember. Go to my R my rcboxclub.com and you can order one of these today. Thank you to Mark. Thank you to his wife. And um, I hope you guys go out and get one. And I, I look forward to seeing what uh, the next box holds. And remember, you guys can win one of the, these on our next Christmas, on our Christmas show next week, Thursday. All right, Max. It is time to go on to RC News. So small. And our RC News is brought to you by High Tech RC and Invisible Speed, who are Invisible Speed actually having Ryan Lutz on this weekend, this Sunday. 
So if you want to get some uh, setup information from one of the nicest guys in RC, check them out this Sunday. Sign up for the course. We have an affiliate link in the written description of this podcast. It helps us out. And uh, yeah, you know, just go go check it out. And we're going to hit an ad right now. Stop scrolling. You want to be Lewis Hamilton? Learn something new with Invisible Speed. You can't do everything at 100% maximum speed. You have to be smooth. I mean, when you drive a real car, if you drive a real car, how do, do you just, when you get to a 90 degree corner to t- turn into the parking lot, do you go like that with the steering wheel? Do you like slam on the throttle and the brake? No, you probably turn the wheel smooth and get on the throttle smooth. Same thing with an RC car. If you want to learn more and make your speed visible, stop scrolling. Stop scrolling. JQ and then stop scrolling. Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton. Uh, that's so funny. But yes, sign up for Invisible Speed at invisiblespeed.net. We have links for that in the written description of this podcast. Remember, this, this Sunday, they'll be doing a live show with Ryan Lutz. Ryan Lutz and Bruno Coelho have joined it. And from what I heard, there's going to be some other drivers joining the Invisible Speed in 2024. Also, a big thank you to High Tech for all their continued support. I haven't even unboxed my new charger. As you can see, I still have the RDX2 Pro right here. And uh, I'm still waiting to r- unbox my RDX1000. I saw that little charger that you have while I was in the States. But I also think that um, they have introduced a new servo, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. But I was looking at it. They have a D95251TW yeah. coming out. Uh, I saw it on uh, Instagram. And it features potent, uh, potent com- a potent combination of wide voltage cap- capabilities, high resolution, rapid response, and patented, patented smart sense technology to bring you the maximum performance. So X-Ray, I'm sorry, uh, X-Ray, I don't know what X-Ray is my mind. High tech, still bringing you great performance. Uh, I want to try some of these new servers that they come out. Uh, they were telling me about them when I was at the Horizon GP earlier this year. So thank you to High Tech RC for all your support. You can find high-tech products at Amen. If you do get them from Amen, just let them know that you heard about it on the No Name RC Podcast, wherever you get them from. Uh, you can let them know that you heard them from No Name RC Podcast. So we greatly appreciate their support. Support. All right, Maxi. I've been, I've been racing for high-tech now for all of 2023. So I'm my first year as a high-tech driver behind. Really happy, to be honest. <laughs> been good. really good. And good. I think, like... I mean, obviously, I spoke with David, um, David Ronnefog being probably high tech's top driver at the moment. And yeah, they are serious about, you know, the mm-hmm. getting back into the, you know, RC racing car scene. racing. Yeah, racing scene. So I'm excited. I, I've been hearing some things that coming up mm. probably next year. So should yeah. be pretty cool. Should be very cool. I, I have to, I have to. Uh, basically, I have to have a meeting with them. I think they're going on Christmas break, so just waiting for their response. All right, so we do have quite a bit of RC news to go through. Um, yeah, I guess we talked about this, but I'll share the picture because I, I didn't share it. With you so this is not the whole team we're missing, Lance, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, let's you know what. Let's. This is the. I'm trying to find a picture of us all together. Hold on for a second. Uh, but yes, like I said, the elite RC production team is myself, Lance, and uh, Danny Paz, Patrick Rossida, and Gene Strout Jr. We are the elite RC production team, 
And yeah, man, we're 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 hitting it hard. We're we're super pumped about this. We're having fun. And we we had a great five weeks of doing RC stuff together. It was it was a long five weeks. I, I, I was I had fun. I was happy I was happy to get home because I did miss my family and all that good stuff. But man, it was it was a lot of fun. And, the, and people they took really good care of me out there. So there we go. You're much more fast at this than me. So I'll bring it up. That's what happens when you're there we go. Uh we was at Callahan and we took this picture. And that's the yeah. that's the that's the team right there. There's Patrick, there's myself, obviously. I'm the biggest one there. There's Lance McDonald, RD Extraordinaire. He is I I I I don't know, but he he is he is busy. He he said he was on the he had 32 events this year. I might yeah. be wrong. Yeah, so, I think, there's Danny, and then yeah. there's Gene Stout Jr., who has SJ Racing. So check him out if you want to get any cars built, anything yeah. like that. Yeah, but also like just because I know you can't, you know, pass yourself in the back, so I have to do it. Ooh. You know? So like thinking of this kind of was put together in one year and you already hosted the world championship um like as a media productions ams all this kind of stuff and it's literally just five people so it's not like you know it's it's a long thing that's been building up so i will criticize you at some point i won't do it today you know oh well, jake you had criticisms of me already when i didn't call his yeah. intermediate race as good but AMS was very long. And, um, you yeah. know, he's got to find somebody to blame for him losing his race. You know, <laughs> so he has to find anger at somebody. But, yeah, I mean, this is Lance. He's pre pretty much the brainchild behind it. And then Danny is obviously the man. That Danny Paz is super intelligent. I remember when I first saw Danny Paz, he was putting GoPro, GoPro cameras on, on short course trucks. And now this he's become... Uh, I mean, I, this guy is intelligent. He's super smart. Like he is able to figure out things. And then Gene Stroud has become a very good cameraman. And I think he's training to be a photographer. And then Patrick, who can do pretty much everything he can do. He's an RD. He backs up for Lance. He can join me on commentary at times. He does pit reporting. He's also, uh, he can do cameras. And then he's also doing, he's directing as well, which is great. So that helps yeah. out. He's able to pick out cars, and then we're switching between cameras. It was, it was he did he does a very good job, and then of course Lance is the RD organizer, driver. You know, the amount of stuff that we take to these races, like his stuff, he brings when he comes to a race, he brings everything you need: television, speakers, stands, yeah, everything you need to put on a show. He does. He he has it there. So yeah, uh, kudos to these guys. We had a lot of fun, and thank you to everybody that supports us, man. We, we really do. And you know what? The other thing about it is. Every all five of us, all five of us are very passionate about RC. Yeah, I think that's that's the most important. Um, like, I've I've like through my what um, fifteen years of being on RC. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, obviously, I had this like belief that you know RC is such a great thing. Like, why would anyone like not love this? <laughs> but now, now I've come to realize that. It does require people just like making like stupid monetary and life decisions because they love RC so much that they want to put their time into this. Because like I bet Lance could make more money like doing something else. The elite elite RC production could make more money doing something else. 
but it's because these people like RC, you know, even though, yeah, it's a company, they're trying to make money and like get like make a living uh, somewhat out of this, uh, being it live RC or red RC or whatever. But as we've seen, like it does require some sort of like, yeah, that's a good thing. It's work. For it. Yeah. It's because, also work. Yeah. And, and the thing is, the thing is like red RC, for example, they realize they can work less, make more money, and they went away for a long time. Luckily, now they've been back and they've so, been doing much more. So that's really, really cool to see. But it does, does require this, like, wanting to work for the sport in mm -hmm. some sense. So, and, and obviously, I've also worked with RC Racing TV. I've worked with Live RC as well. Uh, I do believe RC Racing TV has the world's next year. So that's great. Um, I'll be. I think I'll, I'm pretty sure I'll be there because I'm talking. I'm helping out the guys in the worlds as well. Uh, and speaking of Red RC, I finally got to meet Osin, uh this past weekend and talked to him. Great dude. Uh, he had his photographer Nicole there who took some awesome pictures. And I asked him about that. I said, "Where, where did you go?" He said, "Man, COVID." He said, "COVID killed us. We didn't have nothing to do during COVID, so we kind of went away. But now we're back. He's off to China." next week or this next week for another big race there so it's, and you know what i have been consuming a lot of red rc content lately and they are back they are full-time back yeah, i think so too yeah mm -hmm. i think i think like this year um especially gt worlds now the 12th scale worlds i think they're focusing a lot more on like those classes that don't know what the eight scale coverage. worlds too it's going one red worlds yeah, gonna be at, yeah. I think he's going to yeah, be at every world that he can be at. He was like, I'll be in some Brazil yeah. too. So yeah, no, but I, th I think good. it's, it's great. It's great. And I, because they were, I think I would like to say most professional, even when Neo buggy was around, the mm -hmm. Neo buggy was kind of like uh, more it's kind of like us. It's kind of, yeah, it, it kind we, of we're like, kind of like them, but a little bit more extreme. Yeah. But then red RC was the, I think they were the most professional. They did like the things. And when you were at the races where these guys were at, like the touch they had was really professional. It was kind of like they're doing actually some journalism. Whereas mm -hmm. Phil, I mean, he did a great job, but he was always kind of like just going around talking to people and that was his stuff. But Red RC, I think we need someone who takes it a slight bit more seriously. Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. just to go on a little bit of a tangent, I think like... Oh, you weren't already on one? Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna go deeper, you know. <laughs> so I think like I've be begun to notice that we don't take the media of RC seriously enough. We kind of think that the point of having like RC Racing TV there is to just to film everything, you know, and like film each single main and each single qualifier and do some commentary and just be there for twelve hours a day. But to be honest, that's not that's not worth it you know it's not worth it to pay how much effort pays uh, like rc racing tv to just do that you know i think we need to start thinking of ways to allow them to like have more of the potential like when i was watching the 12 scale worlds and he was like i really want to get max's emotions but then like uh, patrick said oh he's going to turn marshall you can't do it now we have to do it after i was like oh my god like why couldn't they put a five minute break it wouldn't have changed the timetable in any way. But if they just thought, hey, let's put a five-minute break here just for the interviews and stuff. Because they knew you was going to do it. Like, you mean, oh, so I got what you're saying. You're saying yeah. the federations 
put more emphasis yeah, on accepting the, the, the media to allow the media to do a exactly, better job. Exactly. I, like, and also like, like, um, race time, like they do their own show at the arena, but that's <laughs> to a very narrow audience. You know, there's, there's at best, there's 500 people there, you know, whereas online mm-hmm. there could be thousands of people. So yeah. I think like, well, they all, have, it, they, so they I have, will say yeah, this. I'm not saying, I'm not because saying when anything. Lance is RD in, so just to re, so I will say this. That when you, that first that with Max Mashler, who I got to meet, who's awesome. Yeah. We, if Mar first said no, you have to wait till after they qualify, after the second round of qualifying, because we need a term marshal. But then they realized, I will say this: Tim Caporell realized, okay, we need to the the interview is very important because Clayton realized yeah. Clayton, even though his roar, he wasn't he was, so he was like, why are we haven't he asked me why is there no interview after. After that qualifier yeah. of Max. And I was like, well, they told Danny said, but they told us they have to wait till everything's done. And from that point on, we had an interview after after each qualifier know, to I capture know. the emotion. Yeah. So I they, know, but- they got it. And then then we saw like Ifmar working with us to say, hey, uh, you know, making sure that we got commercials, make sure they gave us a little bit of time because they had time to do that. Mm-hmm. So they are. But I agree with you that the federation and the program of the race has to also understand that the media part of it is important. There's a lot yeah. of things we you want to do as media, but you're also trying to rush in between that. So when we do race time events, any any events like that, Lance or whoever's art, Patrick or Lance, they call people TQ or TQ or winner because we, we can only, we only give enough time to do one, right? Because yeah, we have to keep yeah. the program running. It's hard to get three tire marshals. That people know that now at race time events, any race that we're doing a production, people know. And Lance will always go over to the over to the because we have a we always have an area set up for interviews as well. Yeah. Over there yeah. to get to, and let me tell you something. Now in the southeast, people look forward to those interviews. You know, it was yeah. funny because uh when I was at Fall Bro, a guy comes up to me and goes, My goal this week is to get interviewed by you. Because yeah. he knew that if he TQ'd or won, he would get interviewed. I know. Right? And I'm telling you, it, it makes a difference. It makes a big difference. But kudos to Ifmar at the 12 Scale Worlds. They realized that and they allowed that to happen. And then we was able to get down there and capture. Like I'm watching Max. Like I just met this guy. So me and Max, can't, well, we'll talk about it. But he, uh, he was very emotional, which he should be. And I like that. And uh, we caught all of that on camera when he came over and tears were coming on his eyes and all that type of stuff. And so they did adjust. I will say that, but that's the new IFMAR. And that's why I'm excited. We're going to touch We're going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, my, my point was just that I think we've been living in this time of like, we have a race program. We have to get through it. Everything is like this. Like it's very like old school bureaucratic, but we have to understand what like, Yes, I do understand that people want to have their, like, whatever, 132B filmed. But to be honest, would it be better to have, a you know, a section where, you know, you'd prepare for the semifinals of the Euros or whatever? And even at the 12-scale worlds, I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be cool? Because this is going to the A3. Like, wouldn't it be cool if instead of, like, watching the B main we will be preparing for like, we would have people like in a podcast sense, you know, like we're watching F1, you know, that build. I agree. I agree. But like, you know what that comes down to manpower. I know. And I know. It does. Man- but- and manpower comes down to having money to do that as well. Yeah. yeah. 
So I agree but with it, you on a lot of that stuff, yeah. but you know what? That B man, this is my attitude. That B man, that C man is just as important as that A man to those people. When they go home, their families that are watching. So it's it's a it's a yeah, it's a it's, big it, thing. It's it's it, it's I a know. big thing for people. But it's it's a, it's kind of like what what do we want to achieve? Do we want to do we want to advertise to only to the people at home who know what's happening? They they they're talking to the people at the race. They know it's going down to the A three. Or do we want to make it a spectacle? You know, do we want to make it so? Well, that, I agree. I agree. Like someone at home stumbles into this, like because there was what fifteen hundred people watching the A mains. Dude, it was I almost two thousand people watching that. Two thousand people, yeah. So, like, I bet not each one of those are RC racers who know what's I going agree. on. They I stumble agree. onto that I live agree. stream, and if this guy telling you, like, and it's not like anyone's fault at the race. I can't be like, hey, this is the race organizer's fault or if must fault or whatever. It's just like that. That has to be pre-planned. You know, you have mm -hmm. to make mm -hmm. the you have to make a change of attitude that hey. We are gonna do this, and we want to do this. We have like RCGP. That's how it was structured. Obviously, they 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 like try to take too big of a well, how do you say chunk? How do you say too big of a yeah. bite? Yeah, too big of a bite that they couldn't make it work like monetarily wise. But like you have to make some slight adjustments and like accept the attitude change beforehand. You know, my you know girlfriend what? when we watch F one, she absolutely waits for the interviews after the race. For me. I don't give a shit what Verstappen says after the race because I kind of know I know the sport, but for her, you know, that's kind of like that's what I agree. she wants. To I agree. See. I agree. I agree. And as as a media production team now, uh, we're gonna try and make some adjustments for that going into next year with some races yeah. starting at starting at these races that we have coming up. But I agree with you, and but it does come down to manpower, right? So it does. Um, and then you. <laughs> You have to like, so when I commentate, I always try to, I commentate to the online crowd. I'm not commentating yeah. to the people at the race. I'm commentating to, so if people have questions, I answer them, stuff like that. So I'm very interactive with my comment, as is a lot of, as are a lot of commentators. I've learned from some of the best. I've had the privilege of working with Scotty. I have the privilege of working with Nick Damon. And now I'm, I'm, I'm developing my lefty style, as I call it. All right. Enough of that tangent, because I agree with you 100% on that. And everything can be better. And uh, we const I know at Elite, we constantly think about things to be better. So that is absolutely great. And luckily, we have an RD in Lance that understands that and pushes us to do different things. Like pit interviews, which we were doing. We did them at Fall Brawl. All right. We all right. So we have to get on for our news because we're going to go on tangents. You have up the new X-Ray 10-scale offered platforms that were being run at the Florida Copper Championships that we will talk about on the next podcast. Because this podcast we're talking about, AMS, full, uh, F FRCC, and um, 12 scale rounds. So, Max, real quick, give us a little rundown on what you think. Oh, we got a video. Or is that just a. No, it's okay, a, just the interactive x ray. So, so basically, give us a quick rundown on these vehicles for us, Max. Okay. For those people who like don't really give a shit, x ray finally like agreed to fully copy the associated car. And now you can skip like five minutes ahead on the podcast if you don't want to hear anything more. <laughs> but <laughs> if you want to go deeper, like into what's happened is like Hold on. kind of. Hold on for a second. I will add, if you are listening to this on audio and you should probably go watch it on YouTube because we are looking at pictures and we're talking about this. Okay. 
Yeah. Disclaimer said. Yeah. So kind of for a long while, X-Ray, they started out with their own style, you know, uh, very, you know, short. Um, I mean, the chassis length was always long, but the design is was that there was this, like aluminum chassis in a very long plastic front end. Um, on the chassis, which we have those famous pictures of Daniel Kobevic's, you know, car breaking in half and all that. They had the front suspension behind uh, the front shocks uh, in front of the shock tower, um, the rear end. They tried to do their own thing, rear hub design, all of that. Um, for the previous model, they changed the rear end quite completely, like the rear gearbox, all of that. They went quite, I'd say, identical to the AE. And with this model, now they've like kind of finished with all the rest. So here on the pictures, we can see like the front end is pretty much everything is new. Um, it's the associated style where, I mean, even the shock tower looks like associated. Um, they have the shock tower in front of um, the shocks. They have these um, new, um, uh, bulkhead, uh, slash steering post type system where you have the link mount, then you have the bulkhead below the chassis, uh, link mount is above the chassis. And then on top of that, you mount the front stiffener slash, um, shock tower mount. And then, then on the arms, they, they have them shocks mounted on the center of the arm and the hubs are pretty much same as now almost every car since even Schumacher went to the more AE style front uh, hubs. But geometric wise, I don't think there's that much difference. It's more so just the looks of it. And probably it does have some like weight bias things and so on. But geometric wise, I doubt there's that big of a difference. Um, what's the big difference is the flex. Uh, which I think the two two piece chassis where the bottom is uh, one piece uh, of aluminum and then the front of it is plastic like they had before. I do believe there must be some form of like disadvantage. I can't like say for sure because I don't really know, but it seems like every single manufacturer uh, has moved towards this one piece chassis, which has these, um, bent sides. Um, so it probably stiffens it up on longitudinal, longitudinal axis, but then torsionally, it's probably more calm, uh, like more smoother if the flex, it's not as aggressive. Um, and as you can see, it's very similar to the AE and um, they have kind of now realized the thing with the chassis length because X-Ray was one of those brands who like dremeled the rear arms of like five millimeters forward and stuff. So now they've went on a very aggressive chassis design where there's the carpet edition, which is like, um, I, 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 if I'm not wrong, this is the old shorter version and then they have an even shorter one so now they're really really close to what a e car is um 
which uh, when I talked to the Finnish drivers, they absolutely said that this was a big deal, like shorten the chassis because it actually was much longer wheelbase than the AE. Um, and that's pretty much like every like that's pretty much it. Like it's in in terms of uh, geometric differences, there isn't much. It's mostly just the appearance, um, the flex uh, characteristics of the car where everything is attached, uh, these kind of things. Um, and well, actually they have switched the 13 millimeter shocks, which seems to be the new standard, uh, Schumacher, um, associated and now X-ray. I'm not entirely sure about TLR, uh, what's there. I think they're still on 12 millimeter, but almost all brands are now on 13. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's about it. And I've, like, lastly, I kind of want to touch on this thing that these days, every time someone releases a car that has an appearance of some other car, mm -hmm. they, oh, this is a copy like this, like, for example, when the X-ray saddle layout came out, everyone's like, oh, this is a copy of Kyosho right. because Kyosho has a saddle layout. It's not a copy of Kyosho. You can mm -hmm. say that design was like made by Serpent in 2011 or whatever, but they went away from it. Um, gotcha. Whereas this car, whereas this car, like, it's very hard to distinguish this car from an associated car. You know, that's like when, when everything is copied from someone else or like every idea is copied from someone else and there's almost little to no like um, innovation in the process, like that's when you can call someone a copy. I think the X-ray saddle layout on the H-scale buggy, that was great. Like they did something that at the time, like almost no manufacturer was doing. Uh, I'd say no, like no manufacturer was doing. And now everyone's kind of went their way. So that was innovative. That was kind of taking the H-scale e-buggy layout forward. But this you can, yeah, I, I'd say you can call this a copy, you know? <laughs> Because it's it's such such like down to a T the same looking as the associated and like obviously I don't know exactly about the geometry but even the rear end like as you can see here on the picture they have introduced a wider pivot which is mm. like exactly what AE did okay. they went to the narrower one and then they went a little bit wider because they realized the narrow wasn't that good they, they have more you know, control on the wider one. All right. So, yeah, but I think so far they had good results. Obviously it's working. Obviously, you know, they've had the right things and even the diff boxes, like they have the same style, like forward. And uh, I don't know if they call it even a layback, like associated, but I was a little bit like uh, disappointed because like Usually when X-Ray does something like this, where they like take a lot of influence in other cars, they usually in include something nice. Like they have some like very nice uh, ideas, like some something innovative, like even the, you know, style of something. But I feel like recently, like even this body show, it's like a straight up copy of the P1 that J Concepts has. And like, that's kind of that I feel is annoying because when, when uh, Matrix or Extreme Aerodynamics released their body show mm, that Ongaro ran, 
like that had something cool in it. Yes, it's it's based on the J concepts S15, but it has new stuff in it. But these X-ray eight scale body, for example, and now the ten scale body, they, these are just straight up copies from J concepts. So I think mm -hmm. that's that's the difference there. And yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed, but I think X-ray like their value is mostly in the you know quality and su such. And their four drive seems to have some things that are more innovative and different on their own way. And I think X-Ray kind of done that platform their way from the start. So yeah, I think it's just like X-Ray kind of does this when they feel like they can't find a way out of their struggles. Then they just kind of give up. And that's what AE did with the 8 scale back in 2014, you know, when they came out with the RCA B3. A platform they kind of just like, like yeah we don't know what to do and they just copy the meme which is actually a great segue into our next subject which is the new ae car um yeah. i do know that uh at carpet champs some of these guys were obviously using prototyping this we had buyer we had gotzel uh bruno and david was there so i know that they were trying this stuff obviously probably the carpet version of this and yeah. um X-Ray realizes they need a, a dirt car. You know, after that Worlds, very disciplined in Worlds, they realize they yeah. need a car specifically for dirt. So, hey, why not copy probably the best car for dirt at the moment, which is the, yeah. the uh, Associated. With speaking of Associated, they dropped their new Nitro buggy this past uh, couple of days ago, which is the RC8 B4.1. You got the e-buggy upper. Where's the uh, Nitro buggy? That's cool. Yeah, That's well, they have the both. They released both. Well, let's go to Nitro. So, they, the e you, you wanna, you wanna go for a while. Yeah. No, no, no. They, no, no. They released this at the same time. Okay, but all right. Let's let's talk about the Nitro. I mean, they they didn't update much. So basically, what they updated was, uh, um, they offers now like a rear bias layout. Why is it so small? Like That's a rear bias layout. But now, like I think, what the craziest thing about the e buggy is the motor mount. It's just one of these, like one clamp, and that's it. That's all the motor mount has. Mm. So I'm like, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that yeah, doesn't seem like a lot to strap in that horsepower, but maybe that's all they need. Yeah, Obviously I mean... They put it through the tests. Yeah, I think so. Like, they must have tried it at least a little bit. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all new on the e-buggy. Like, they have new uh, rear hubs and uh, shock towers and shorter shocks. That's that was e-buggy, <laughs> you know. Nitro, uh, it does have a little bit more, I'd say. Like e-buggy has uh, one strap on the motor mount, uh, a new chassis and uh, shocks. But the Nitro, it it has the new rear bias, you know. Um, chassis so they mm -hmm. basically moved everything uh quite a bit back as you can see like the you can see the pipe <laughs> like it's very close to the the rear, yeah. rear arms and you, like here you can see it's like so far back so everything is essentially moved 10 millimeters back um from what they had uh what they started out with with the b4 mm. um and they already released this chassis before like during the, this year and now mm -hmm. it comes to stock on the 4.1. They also have the new rear hubs. Before they used to be 
one piece plastic hubs but now they have the hub with um a carbon fiber piece which you can adjust which is nice i like when i was running for associated i already told them please do this they kind of skipped a little bit and then they went went on this luckily they realized well luckily for them they realized in the end what's the right way to go um they have introduced shorter shocks so associate is one of those brands who has been running you know the same shocks shock bodies on buggy and choggy so essentially the shock bodies are like too long for buggy but now they have released uh, shorter ones uh, and obviously new shock towers to put them lower i'd be interested to see what happens because they did this with a 10 scale and they ended up going back to the longer ones so I want to see what happens with this, but to be honest, like apart from the little plus one steering pieces, it's not, not that much of new stuff, but I already had a discussion about this with a few people on the discord, like people are like, oh, associate is become one of those brands who release a new buggy each year. But I, I think it's actually a good thing because for example, HP, they release a buggy almost never, or then they just randomly release a new one, you know? So as a customer, like I'd be like, should I buy a new one or should I wait for the new one to come out? Or what should I do? I think it's much better. Oh, Gearshare is also actually another who does this same strategy as HP. So I don't only target them so no one can get mad at me. Um, so I think it's actually much better to have a yearly release schedule because like I'd say 90% of us like update their kids yearly. And if they don't, they really, they anyway run the same car. And I think it's better because when you release a kid yearly during the year, these pros will start to use certain parts because the R and D is like continuous. So for example, this 10, 10 millimeter back chassis, like, would you rather buy a kit that comes with this chassis as standard, or would you rather update your kit by a hundred, dollar part just to get back to the like the baseline you want to be on obviously you want that to come straight on the kit if everyone runs it especially in america everyone seems to be running it so i think like more brands ought to realize this sort of two-year cycle so you r d parts you test them on your pros you release them as option parts if people like them you put them put them on the kit next year you know i think that's like a cycle that most brands should do. X-Ray does it. Um, Associated has started to do it. Uh, hopefully maybe some other brands realize it for their sake because like the current way is a little bit silly. For example, Mugen, they went back and forth in the CVAs and uh, universal drive shafts. So basically you're buying a hundred dollars worth of uh, drive shafts every time you buy a new kit because they decided to try it on their MBX7 R that, hey, let's try to have universals. No, it didn't work. Nobody liked it. So, yeah. Okay. That's All right. Well, brand. I think people will like it. I think AE is a brand that has built up its prestige and heritage, and it it, it was a very popular car. So it's going to be – people going to buy it. It doesn't matter. And it, it is what it is. All right. Uh, next up and last on our news for this podcast will be this the uh, Reedy 
25 point Raw has announced that the Reedy 25 SB5 25.5 motor has been removed from the North American governing body's approved motor list effective as of noon P uh noon Friday December 20th 2023 uh they basically uh Reedy has been made so basically Raw said in a statement sent to us by Raw by the way we're reading this off Red RC they state that while most motors are are in spec, there are some that do not meet the minimum stator stack length requirement of 9.7 millimeters, and therefore they are removing the motor from the list. Reedy, who had been made aware of the issue, will be required to resubmit the motor for a new inspection and approval once manufacturing issues are resolved. After an investigation and obtaining samples from three separate hobby shops, Raw has found that some of the 25 of the motors do not meet the minimum stack length. Which goes to rule number 11.3.7.5. Even though most are 100% within spec, some are not. Any modification to, of motor configuration materials following raw approval is not allowed. Rule 11.3.2.4. Therefore, raw will be removing really, the really 25.5 from the approved list effective of December 20th. So, yeah, it sounds like. So, here's the. Here's the. Here's the. Uh, what's he writing? Like hypocritical stuff here. Nothing to do with raw. So it sounds like this is a manufacturing error as well. Like some motors got yeah. these long stator, uh, long stator, whatever the hell they're called, uh, a longer stator from other end from other motors. So somehow they made their way into the batch, which I can obviously see. But it, it's like when Trinity came. Okay, now Trinity's situation was a little bit different. Like it was like somebody put some extra soul in there, like somebody with motor skills when a tip this sounds more like a just a manufacturer you know how things are over there oh we got all these bunch of 9.7 millimeter stators let's just throw them in any motor we can right yeah. but there was no big outrage at reedy for this as there was for against horizon even though it was absolutely not horizon's fault right yeah but there's like all like, oh, you're destroying legacy and all this type of stuff. Well, rules are rules. And if you fail the rules, then that's it. Yeah. That's it. You got to remember. Yeah, I think I think it's funny because I think, wasn't it called the slot machine or whatever? Yeah. Like, that one, all of those engines were like most likely made before the Horizon uh, Acquiry. So that was under the old management, the old team manager, whoever was, you know, pulling the strings back then, they did that. Like, knowingly mm -hmm. or unknowingly, you know, was it bad, um, uh, what you call it, product control, or was it, like, trying to go around the rules, you know? I don't know. But whichever it was, that was, you know, under the old management. And I think this one just proves that, like, the quality control of this motor, like, motor manufacturing and manufacturing RC is just at a, such a poor level. Everything is made in Asia and like most of these manufacturers don't have any contact with them. They like contact with them through email and it's kind of like, it's almost like 90% like outsourcing. Like, yeah, they do make some design changes and so on, but all of these components are pretty much outsourced. Like that's, that's why I think it's a little bit funny. Like people are so outraged about the Trinity situation because like, I bet like most of these 3D or Trinity or whatever engineers don't even know what actually ends up on the customer's hands. They, they like 
they had an idea at some point and then because yeah it's produced so much so like overseas um usually it's such a small sample size so the quality like the the tolerances of these like like jump uh, on one side to the other so yeah I, I that's that's also like interesting because this just proves how shitty the previous war uh like was because they didn't catch any of these and now the new <laughs> new roar has catched like two in one year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. crazy crazy stuff all right we do have more news, but we'll touch on that in episode 264 because we're trying to get through this in a decent time for everybody. So, But we do have what everybody wants to talk about, and that is silly season news. And that is going to be something we talk about a lot. But we're going to start it off after we take this commercial break. Thank you to TechnoRC for all the support. We greatly appreciate it. And um, yeah. TechnoRC. Techno RC is a championship-winning manufacturer of high-performance A-scale, TED-scale, nitro, and electric RC buggies and trucks. With a worldwide dealer network, USA and Europe-based headquarters, comprehensive warranty program, and global race support, Techno RC is excellence in RC. View the full lineup of Techno RC race-proven vehicles by visiting www.technorc.com. Thank you to Techno for all their continued support. We greatly appreciate it. Congratulations to Ryan Mayfield who won AMS. We will touch on that after Silly Season News. But first up, it's actually something positive. But for all eagle-eyed people, you will know what I'm talking about. So, recently, Dakota Fenn went to a the Angola Middle School and did a career day. And uh, he went over how he was able to turn his passion for RC racing into a career and there are a lot of great and unique opportunities in the world, right? This is absolutely awesome, right? Love this type of stuff. We definitely need to get more kids involved. And then we see him showing off these kids, uh, showing off these kids, showing these kids his RC cars, which is very cool. But I want us to zoom into something real quick because this is something that's important to silly season. <laughs> so I happened, so I'll never get. We was in the camper, and my buddy Gene goes. Lefty, look at this. I'm like, so you see this little spot right here? Where this young lady of her, her black shirt is and right here? Well, there is a there was a radio here in this picture that he showed me. Right? You can see there's a like stick, like a it's blacked yeah. out, right? It's been blacked out. So yeah. I'm gonna tell you what this radio was because I saw the original picture. It was a fly slide noble pro that I have that Mayfield runs at Reinhardt Watch that run of wax. Right here on the table. So they put up this picture with the radio, realized that they put it up, erased this post, and then blacked up the radio. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, deep Dakota fan, but I think you're going to fly Sky Noble Pro. And that's that sounds about right because people that saw this picture would know. Uh, I made a post on it and people were like, he's going to fly high. And I, I believe it is because... Uh, I, I believe he's signing with uh, Noble. They are with Flysky. They're they're spending a lot of money. Uh, we're trying to get them to also <laughs> advertise her. I mean, I was I learned about the Noble Pro from Will Smith, Jimmy the President. Will Smith was the first one to tell me about it, and um, the original version. I couldn't get it, and I got the the Noble Pro. And I have to say that it is a good piece of kit. And we're gonna see. I think we're gonna start seeing more and more of these in RC racing with these top guys driving. But what's going to happen is now Futaba and Sanwa are going to start competing with it, which is great. Competition is great. So I have a yeah. feeling 
that Mr. Dakota Fan is going to be running a fly sky next year. Because they had it right there in that picture, and then they took it yeah. down. So what well, yeah. I just wanted to start it off with that. So one of our silly season things that are going on. I think fans going to Noble Fly Sky. And I heard there's another driver going as well. And hopefully they decide to uh, advertise on this podcast. We need to talk to them again. Um, what do you think about that, Max, real quick? I think it's interesting. Like, it seems that almost everyone is now going there. And from what I've heard, they are paying quite well. Like, from what I heard from... Um, because Reinhardt was obviously the first one. Mm-hmm. He was the first one who started running them. And I heard through some, you know, mutual uh, friends that the paycheck he's getting is is like significant. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he used to he he tried it at the touring race and it actually worked perfectly fine. He felt exactly the same as with his sandbar. So then obviously after that, Ron Fox get friends with Reinhardt. They probably talked about it. And David had his M17 break. Uh, he actually used Humphus's radio at the at e-buggy uh, Euros this year. And then after that, you know, we saw him uh, running the Fly Sky. Uh, yeah, Mayfield, uh, he has a history of having issues <laughs> with radios. So, <laughs> so yeah, and now Fend. I, th- I just think like, I like Fend I understand because he, I think he has been running Spectrum. Mm-hmm. Which as he's also been running know, the M17 as well. He's been yeah, trying different so radios. Yeah, so which we all know, Spectrum isn't the radio. You know, it's it's good for hobbyists and so on, but it's not really at that quality um, in terms of the um, what you call it feed, uh, whatever. It's not that fast. Um, so I'm I'm mostly interested to see like what will happen because fly sky is selling that radio at a, such a low rate you know the, the market price for it is like half of anything else out there at that level so i'm i'm interested on how, how will that affect the radio market does it like does sanva just stop coming out with new models or no, they're going to be forced to compete by hiring drivers, I think. Because it's it's well known that Sanwa doesn't really pay drivers. People just use their radios. So yeah, Sanwa pays. Uh, so we're probably going to see that happen. Yeah, but I think it's interesting because I don't think really people choose radios based on what top drivers run. Uh, I think it affects it, obviously, because it it's affecting this radio. It's, it's giving it legitimacy. Radio. Yeah, but I think it's a different... like Because Sanwa... Like, they don't need top drives. Everyone knows mm-hmm. Sanwa is the best. Futaba is like, it's one of the OGs, but it's not as good as Sanwa. That's basically, like, when you go out on the track, everyone has a Sanwa, at least and in Europe, I feel. Um, so, yeah, Flysky, I think they're going to be, but I, I'm, like, very confident that Flysky is going to have to raise the price at some point. I think they're selling these at, like, a very low profit. And when they, you know, have enough of the market, they'll hike up the price a little bit. But I feel a little bit like hesitant about the situation because radio is not something that people buy like every year, like race kit is. Radio is something that people change like every two years at best and like every like four to five years at worst, you know? So 
like even if you pay a thousand bucks for a radio, it's still not really that big of a like business for Sandra or someone. Yeah, obviously you can make some money off of receivers, but even nowadays, a lot of these off-brand receivers are coming out that work with Sandra radios and so on. So I'm a little bit worried if, like, I'm like at the big like for Sandra, it's a good business being so far because everyone buys their radios with little to no marketing and like so on. But I feel like there might be a situation where, like, they buy them like, because pro drivers use them. The M12 was the best radio for the longest while that people used. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah um, but I mean, even the M17, I bet it's technically, like, when you look at the technology, it's the best radio out there, you know? So I think people will be using it. Yeah, I just, I, like, my fear is that these companies will realize that there isn't that much money into it, and then, like, the quality of radios will go down. That's my fear. We shall see. But they're definitely making a big push, big push. Big yeah. push. Up now, everybody's talking about this radio, by the way. Up next, not not that big of a move, but must be talking about brought to us by Circus RC. Uh Renault Savoya making the move to Matrix or Matrix making the move to him. Uh, even though Savoya's best years as an RC racer are kind of over, he still is good in France and he has a shop in France. And I, I look at this as Matrix big push into the French market right now. Well, actually, uh, it only makes sense. What I which I think it is that I think the French, because Kyosho Europe is based in France. Mm -hmm. They have been the distributor of AKA. And they and have their tires, OGO as well, that they're distributing. No, 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 that's not, that's not the, theirs. OGO is XDR's tire. They have the um, Jetco. Jetco, sorry, I do apologize. Yeah. They have the Jetco tire, but I think the Jetco tire has been, it has kind of that, not high entire, you know, like budget tire, you know, in its name. Even though I think it's it's a decent tire, I'm not saying that it is a budget tire, but the branding of it and the brand image it has, it's not like Matrix or Hot Race. So what I've understood is that Kyosho France is starting to distribute distribute Matrix tires in their region at, at least. So I would say a smart and, move by Matrix. Yeah, and I mean, Renault gets paid, as far as I'm concerned, Renault gets paid by Kyosho Europe, not Kyosho International. Mm -hmm. So that would make sense that he would be running Matrix and working closely with them. Great. And he was running, wasn't he running AKA before? Mm -hmm. So I think what, what um, Kyosho Europe is doing is saying, fuck you, AKA, because you really can't get those ties anymore. And then, <laughs> then they are starting to do Matrix. And then, you know, Renault, obviously, sweet. because they do Kyosho, Pico, and now Matrix. And mm -hmm. obviously, Renault runs all of that. So okay. I think it's just natural business. Well, and next, um, a great segue into Kyosho. They made some news this past, over the last month. Uh, Yao Figueredo, after over 10 years with them, is now out at Kyosho. And he loved Kyosho. He had a very good year this year as well. The rumors are techno yeah. for him. Uh, we'll talk on that yeah, in a I second. Think, well, let's talk on that now. So y'all to y'all yeah. all the Kyosho and possibly to Techno. Thoughts on that? Well, I I don't know where Techno comes from. I, I haven't heard anything like Ooh, this. Ooh, I heard. I have but my might, I have my little birdies all your, over the place. So hold yeah. on for a second. I heard Techno has signed quite a few European drivers. That's interesting because I kind of like they have they tried with Sanketin. 
They tried been tried to try the Sankatine, they tried the Ruffalo, but if you look, Techno started to make a move in Europe, like big moves. They're, they're getting it's popular. They're popular in Greece. Obviously, Elias is from Greece, so he has a lot of people yeah. there. They're, they're decent in uh, UK. They have a Spanish distributor now. And now they'll have, if if he all signs with them, that's going to be their foot in the door for Portugal. So I know yeah. I, I know when I, I know they had not a big focus on Europe at one point, like because the USA yeah. was good. So they are now, they now see, I believe, or well, they probably always saw it, but now they're putting some focus on Europe. And I yeah, think and I, that you're going to start to see way more techners in Europe in 2024. I think that's very possible. Uh, like, yeah, I, I think in now talking uh, about Jaw himself, I think he kind of ran out the way he can do with Kyosho because obviously Kyosho isn't hiring. You know, if he would get paid, he would be get paid by like Kyosho Europe or someone. He's, he wouldn't get any money from Kyosho Japan. So he had a year where he was pretty much top five at every single big race. He was challenging for big wins, you know, mm-hmm. here and there. So I think he's at the level where he could be a legitimate pro driver. He finished six. Whereas he finished six at DNC. Yeah, yeah, and like I think Joao is a driver. Like he he has the skill to be a legitimate pro driver, but he he can't make that happen at Kyosho. So I think this was sort of him accepting that hey, I want to be a pro, and I have to make a move for it because. Joao was from, I'd say, 2016, 17 to like, like 2022. I'd say he was a driver that was a fast guy, but just at the like, uh, mm-hmm. of being pro, you know, kind of what Skidmo has been for the past few years, kind mm-hmm. of like there, you know, that. Mm-hmm. But I think now this year he has been, he has just about went over that. You know, little like uh, I'd say cliff or whatever you call it. But um, now he's over that level and he's made the choice. Like I have to look elsewhere. So I mean, techno would make sense because they obviously they haven't had any new guys come in in America, but they lost Barufalo. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have drivers like McBride anymore. You know, they really don't have much stuff you know going on uh apart from like american team um yeah but the american team is huge yeah they they is but i mean like their team has everywhere like people not just pro drivers everywhere yeah yeah but i mean like the team that they are paying for travel giving money to it has shrunk over the years which is obviously good for them that's Mm -hmm. like that's smart business because they still have gotten good results so there's I think room for them to spend some money and Joao probably would be good because his dad has one of the most, he, him and his dad have one of the most prestigious tracks in Europe at this point. They also have a hobby shop. They have a quite a big following in Portugal and Spain. He but they don't have a shop, of, but they, they have, have links shop? to a shop. No, they have the, okay. the well, they're very influential in Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. But basically yeah. they, yeah, they have a lot of, you know, put in the dust. So I think that would make sense. But I want to say about Techno, I think, because the last push they made was with Sanketin. No, Barufalo. No, no, but I mean the last, like, 
because I'd say Barufalo just left like a month ago, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it went much better this time. Barufalo won big races. He was influential. He like made good results. He made the world's main and so on and so on. Whereas the last push with Sanketin, like the, well, let's say previous push with Sanketin, I think at that point their car just wasn't good enough because I remember we went with Joseph to Austria and there was this group of guys who ran techno cars. There's like, I think four or five guys. And they all said, yeah, we got this car from, uh, for free from techno. I mean, they were just like club drivers. They weren't good. They never seen them before, never raced an international level, but they said, yeah, techno wanted to get some new people in, in Europe. And we got this car for free from techno. But it absolutely sucked, you know, like they, they were happy with the guy, even though they got it for free. But now I feel like because I've been talking to new people, like lots of people and everyone I talk to, like regular level drivers, they, they say the techno is good. So I think, I mean, even though it's hard for me to believe because they went like such a like different geometrics, like strategy, they have narrow pivots, long arms. Um, the front end is like quite a high offset, but zero KPI, um, but no like scrub on the tire. So it's, it's like very, very weird, you know, design compared to others. They're doing some, something of their own, which are not a lot of brands are doing, but I think they have, they are seeming to make it work, you know, for, for some reason, I don't, I don't know for sure what's making it work. But they seem to be making it work. Um, and that, like Mayfield's recent results, his win at AMS, I think that proves that it can work on not only at DNC and Silver State, which I kept saying on this podcast, if you go back, you remember I said it's good on bumpy tracks that has low speed. But now, due to Mayfield maybe making some changes, maybe they find a more overall setup that makes the car work. It is, they are winning races like AMS. Uh, so, yeah, I do think that maybe now the push might actually work in here. Okay. So, yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but definitely making a push into Europe if the, if if they've signed y'all. But my my room my my bird my little birds say yes. Uh, all right. So with yeah. that, and we also, are talking- I want I want to end it on this. And if they make it work, I gotta fucking tip my hat because like. Ooh. The the design they made, it's like it's the same level of stubbornness as Joseph, you know, because like he he has his things, like he wants to make this work. And what Techno has done, like they just I want to make long arms, you know. We have the longest arms in the market. Like, why? I don't know, just because. And they make it actually work. Like, I gotta tip my hat. That's that's a freaking Good job if they make it work. Mayfield said at AMS that was the best techno he's had all year. So, and he yeah. said they've been working very had, hard on it. Yeah, but he had a lot of new parts, it seemed. Yeah, new okay. We'll power. talk about Mayfield and AMS yeah. because that was a great drive for him. Uh, yeah. We're on Kyosho. So, with that said, Little Bump left HB. We're going to talk about future of HB in the next podcast. But uh, Little Bump leaves HB. And there were some rumors where he's going to go. Everybody thought it was x-rays. Mayako was thrown out there, all that type of stuff. But he signs of Kyosho with Ryan Lutz, which I think is a good move. 
Uh, I talked to Ryan at Fall Brawl. He's happy about having Little Bump on there. Um, I think Little Bump, I think we're seeing Kyosho as well committed to racing because I actually have Kyosho as one of my teams to watch out for next year because they're growing. Yeah. They're starting to come back. And I think they're going to grow a lot next year as well. And they, of course, they have the prestige that Kyosho has, eight world championships and everything that from before. Uh, I think Little Bump would be good there. I still think that he's 12 years old, good 13. We don't have to put no pressure on him. Like everybody thinks he has to go out there and win and all that type of stuff. No, he needs to develop organically. And hopefully he can under the tutelage of Ryan Lutz and find what he's looking for that he might not have found at HB. Because he's also at HB in a team with lots of good people. The Fullers, Cole, Pavidis. Mm-hmm. I think even Jackson Bronson was there at one point, and he was, even though I th- I consider Bump to be one of the top like drivers out there, um, maybe he'll get that win next year or in a couple in a year's time or whatever, you know, as he gets older. And being under Lutz, very calm, very collective, you know, and, and Kyosho seeming to grow regionally and nationally in America, I think it's a good move for, for Bump. Yeah, I think for little Bump's sake, it's good that he, because essentially HP and Kyosho, they, they drive in a similar way. Both are, you know, uh, zero KPI, you know, C of course. Um, but the Kyosho offers more drive out of the corners because of the rear end. Mm-hmm. So I do think like this move could be like really good for Lil Bump. Like, obviously, it's hard to say what his driving style is at this point because he's so, like, early on into his career. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think he's at that age where he doesn't necessarily know how he drives. He just drives how it feels good, you know? That's, like, the benefit that kids have in RC. But I think Kyosho is the type of car that likes to be pushed. That's why I think Lutz does so well with it because he pushes, you know? He, he knows how to like take the car to its limit and go fast with it. But I think Lil Bump is just like the new age of that stuff. Whereas Ongaro is like the polar opposite. Like he doesn't push necessarily. He just tries to guide the car around the track without scrubbing speed at all. Whereas Lil Bump, I think is so far what we've seen, I think he's a little bit of the opposite where he pushes the car. Um, not like Baruffalo, but his own way, you know? Yep. And I think yep. Kyosho is going to offer. I, I just saw I just saw a video of him like two days ago running. I haven't seen him. And I, I I was like, yeah, that that that's what I'd like to see. You know, <laughs> that's what okay. I like to see the mm-hmm. way he drove it. So mm-hmm. I do feel hopeful for him. But I I mean, to be honest, like this is not like oh Mayfield goes to Kyosho move. This is like a kid that's mm-hmm. thirteen. Like he's not even in high school yet. You know, let's not like. Let's not put any pressure on this guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, uh, we'll touch on S-Works real quick. Uh, Boots staying. Not surprised. I know there was some rumors of him leaving, but he turned his, I think he turned his year around completely yeah. in the last six months. And man, I don't he know was what happened. absolutely flying. Yeah. It was like, because I, I think this has been the best, uh, what, four, four months of Boots' career in a while in a long time so i say six months because i say six months it was the from the euro zone i think that's 
that's before the years. Didn't he win a race before the years? He had won a race because remember, I remember saying, oh, man, yeah, I think yeah. I, so. This is what I said. I remember saying, in fact, I think Boots is gonna have to retire because he's not doing anything. That's yeah. first part of the first half of this year, but it he totally the, rejuvenated his career. It was the Italian race, you remember? At yes, he did well. So it's that, that he, was in June, so six yeah, months ago. That, that was the one where. He, I think he got by uh, Polito at the very end of the race, you know? And we were talking in the podcast, I remember this. He was like, Boots, this is good. This looks good for Boots because he mm-hmm. hasn't done anything recently. Then I think the next big race after that was the Euros. He finished second behind Canas, who had like out of this world performance. And then at Bagiland, he seemed stronger than Canas until like his unfortunate retirement. He battles for the win at the Red GP, like, I I have to say, like, I don't think I've seen Boots do this well with Svox ever. And I think, like, well, he's he's time out, time out. He won Silver State with the Svox. No, but it's it's that that was one race, you know. Mm-hmm. But this is like a run of races at different tracks where he's like on par with the hottest driver at, on on the planet right now on HL. Mm-hmm. Can ask, mm-hmm. you know? So I think like that speaks volume because at Kyosho, no one was at Kyosho at the time uh, when he won the Euros in 2015. Ronafalk had just switched to HP. He was, the car didn't look good for him back then, you know? So that win, yeah, he dominated at Chile in 2015. Deserved win, you know? But it wasn't, you know, that there was these guys who were like at top of their game and he was battling with them. And then 2016, both uh, Robert he got gifted and, that. I mean, a win is yeah. a win, but he kind of got yeah. gifted that Euros. Yeah. He like he was he was comfortably in third, you know, mm-hmm. and he got he got lucky in some sense. But yeah, obviously that's racing. He deserved that win too. But it wasn't like oh, Boots is like the number one guy here. And then 2017, he was still good. But not not like spectacularly good. 2018, not not a great Euros, um, not necessarily a great world. So he didn't even make the main. Then 2019, uh, leaves. You know, Kiersho S works looks a bit difficult at times, good at other times. But now, at this point, I I I, I have to say he has rejuvenated his career and he's Absolutely. looking better than ever. Absolutely, absolutely. And I uh, hope he can keep it up next year. Okay. Because he has a he has a very his own style and he's 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 been the number one UK driver. So I think it's good that he kind of has himself back there. And also okay. for the sake of Reds and everything, I think it's good. Okay. Uh next up, I would say we're gonna touch on this. I don't think there's any changes in the USA team. I don't think that they might add somebody, but I don't think so. I think that's staying the same, so no big changes there. I will say this. Aswax is the hot car going into a USA next year. It is. They're, they're mm-hmm. putting a lot of people on the team. Now, it's it's a lot of quantity. Of, it's a lot of quantity, a lot of racers, a lot of drivers. Um, but a lot of people are using the car, a lot of people are driving it. And I expect that this will we'll see. This will be the biggest boom. I've seen a lot of people driving and getting on the team in the last six months. And this will be the biggest boom of Aswax, I think, that we've seen. Since maybe Hara and Amen took it over and it kind of didn't, it fizzled out in 2024. Yeah. But with that said, with that said, I still think Kyosha is going to overtake, 
is going to be one of the fastest growing brands, rebranding of uh, rebrands next year in racing. Yeah. So USA is going to stay the same. I think they're going to get a lot more regional drivers on the team and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of the HB drivers that have left, which we're going to touch on HB on the next podcast, they are picking up S works, but this was a big, a bit of surprise for me. The Parente brothers, two top Spain's top young talents and probably two of the top young talents in the world are out at S works. Now, my little brain's clicking. I'm thinking they're going to techno, but I'm surprised that they're out at S-Works. Now, I do know yeah. this. I do know this. I think that I heard that they, they don't like the older brother. Danielle does not go to school. I don't know if it's being homeschooled or what, but it's like really trying to be a professional driver. I think it's being homeschooled. And Okay, so this is, I mean, for anyone, because I think I'm pretty sure most of the Americans are like, Americans are like who is Parente, you know? Yes, but quickly explain like, to the to to Americans who yeah. Parente brothers are. As much drivers know. Yeah, so uh, I think Daniel is the uh, Daniel one. Is the oldest Daniel. one. Daniel Parente. He's the guy. He's the guy who blocked Canas from winning the Spanish nationals. I think it was <laughs> a year or two back by straight up beating Canas. On, on like same equipment, you know, it, I don't think it even was his own track, you know, straight up beat Canas and then gave the title to Robert. It was, it was either 2021 or 2022. I think 2021, that was Robert's last title, but basically he has beat Canas straight up before in Spain. Um, he made the Euros main this year. Um, He's made pretty much all of the big Southern European mains this year. He almost made the world's main too. Actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's, he is like a fast driver, you know, like mm -hmm. top, top level driver. And he's only like 16. And, yeah. And his little brother, he's like making quarterfinals, semifinals at the Europe, European races. Uh, I think he was semi, semis this year at the Euros. And he's younger. He's like at least a few years younger. So these two are kind of like the next Killich brothers, I'd say. You know, a slightly new generation, but I think just as if not even more promising than the Killich brothers. Um, and yeah, they're coming out of Spain, so they got to race year round and so on. But I mean, it would techno would make sense now that you said that they have a new distributor in Spain. I would like to know if if they are somehow related, like the distributor. Do they know Parente? What's happening down there? I know they signed that young kid Iker who ran Mayako, yeah. and they signed him. But it's going to be interesting to see where they end up. I was very shocked that they left, and uh, yeah. let's see what they Me end too. up. Let's, let's see what they end up doing. All right, so. We are going to talk about a few more. Like I said, we're going to talk about one more silly season. Then we're going to move on to recaps of a couple of races. But we have a lot more silly season news to come up in the next podcast. I think we have to talk about one of the biggest things and what everybody is talking about at the moment where he's going to end up. And that is Tasman dropped by X-Ray. No surprise here. Um, I kind of talked about this after seeing him at Masters. I did see Gord and him at uh, AMS recently. Well, five weeks ago, and I talked to him straight up. I said, hey, so what's going on? And Gord said, well, obviously, he got kind of uh, dismissed as team manager prior to this. I knew that was happening. And then um, 
uh, Tessman was like, I don't know what's going to happen. But Gord said, I'm going back to regular work, I believe, like as a regular job, not doing RC anymore. Now, this was five weeks ago. A lot could have changed. <clears throat> but he's going back to that, which I'll be honest with you. I'm not really surprised at that because the amount of money it takes to sign both of these guys is pretty expensive. And we always talked about when will be the time when Tasman Ty would have to go on his own. Uh, so obviously the first thing, and then of course now a couple of weeks ago, we see that Ty has been dropped by X-Ray as well. Where he's destined to go, uh, nobody knows. I keep hearing retirement. I mean, he's 30. I think as they say retirement, maybe um, maybe part-time racer. He's going to get a real job and do that type of stuff. Uh, and then, of course, the RC nerds, like our, like a lot of people say, oh, he could go to Mugen, he can go to this. So I mentioned Mugen to, to them, and this is what I was told. I was told Mugen said, and Mugen's been known for this. Mugen said, we didn't see any increase when Mayfield joined the team, and we didn't see any decrease when he left. In, in, in other words, profits, money. Yeah. And um, Mugen has been a team, before they hired Mayfield, they really didn't have anybody besides that. No, not, they have Adam Drake, who goes around, and he, he's, he's not out there winning races, but he goes around and is a good, you know, he's their ambassador, team manager. So Mugen's still going strong as a brand, you know? Over in, the, over in Europe, they have the Killix, and it's still a very popular brand. It's still popular in America. Uh, they do have some 10-scale cars coming out, so I know a lot of people think that Tasman will go drive because of that, and they will need somebody to go out there and champion a, a two-wheel drive buggy. So, there, I mean, there might be a possibility, but we also know that Mugen USA does not pay well, one of the reasons why Mayfield eventually left. Um, yeah. And Mugen just feels like, they kind of feel like, well, we don't have to. We still have a great competitive car. It's good quality. We have prestige and heritage. We have Adam Drake. Um, and they haven't, you know, Mayfield, yes, won a lot of races with him. And I think they're just thinking like, yeah, we won all these races, but we didn't see an uptick in sales. And when he left, we didn't see a bunch of sales that left. I mean, I'm sure a few people left because of him. So I think, I don't know, man. I don't know if Ty's going to retire. I don't know if he's going to work out some sort of deal where he can be a part-time racer and have a real job. Um, I don't know if he's going to get picked up by another company. At this point, I don't know where Ty can go, right? We're, we're at a yeah. point right now, and if you every race I went to, people were saying, saying are we, have we reached that point where we, where we see pro drivers not having, is he going to be the first driver for a ride? And it is quite possibly so. So with that said, um, this man has also won a lot. He could retire at 30, and he has accomplished a shit ton. He is a world champion. Yeah. He's a multi-national champion. He's won a lot of pretty much a class in every big race out there. He's won DNC. Did he win a? I don't think he's ever won a Neo, did he? Or oh, I might be mistaken. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I, my memory doesn't no, serve I don't me right. Think I, because Tebow won so many of them. Yeah, yeah Cavallari won one. one. Cavallari yeah. and Drake no, won Mario. a bunch. Yeah. So he can, he can rightfully retire and say, I've done everything in my career. But yeah. it also, it is, here's my thing. If he retires at the age of 30, and let's be honest, he is like, he has not been as competitive as he was. He has won races, but he has not yeah. been as dominant as he once was. That's also a factor. 
If this happens, I think it's very sad for the industry that a, a person at 30 years old, still in the prime of their career, who's a world champion and won multiple national champions, isn't into RC. For me, it doesn't build well for anybody that is looking to make RC their, their choice of work coming up in the future. Now, yeah. I don't know if Ty's going to get some sort of deal. Like, where would he go? Like, everybody's like, where can he go? Now, Sparko keeps coming up to mind. Um, a lot of people throw out AE. I don't think AE needs him. TLR don't need him. Maybe they do. Um, who else will we see? Uh, what other companies do you think? Uh, you know, Serpent's been thrown out there. WIRC, yeah. but I don't see that happening. Uh, what other companies? HB, a return to HB. Mm, not with what I'm hearing no. about what's going on with HB. I don't know, but anything's possible. Um, Mayako, I don't think so. Uh, no, even that I was, a, I heard that was an option at one point. Uh, who else do we have? Yeah, um, well, S works. Oh. I don't think S works is going to get him. If they do, no. they'll get him very cheap. Actually, it might be a good fit, but he doesn't like, he doesn't like pillow balls. But he actually has pillow balls. Yeah. But I don't yeah. know, man. What are your thoughts on this? If Ty retires, is it, if he retires, is it, Good for the hobby? Is it bad for the hobby? You know what? Maybe he, you know what? Maybe he is tired of traveling, tired of this. You know, because hey, look, people, people, I get it. We, I work in this industry now. It's fun to do what you love, but to always be on the, you know, when you're based on your performance, which a lot of jobs are, but outright, you're based on racing performance and where your money comes from, like that. Maybe having a, a regular job is something he's looking forward to. If that's, if that's, a I, I do have to say, like, it's a little bit depressing, but I'm quite confident that he's gonna just, like, either he's, he'll find some, like, little bit off brand and then gets a Drake style of job, but I don't think he'll get the similar type of position he's at now with X ray. Uh, I, it's hard to, like, it's hard to say, but I really don't know where he'll go. Like, it's hard. Like, where can he nobody, fit in? Yeah, I don't think there's any brand who like WIRC. If Cavalry left, I think WIRC makes them. Well, we're going to talk about that next. I'm going to talk about yeah. it in the next podcast. But the only the only brand that fits is freaking Mugen. Yeah, but they're not going to spend money on Testament. They already have Drake. Why well, hers. Okay, so here's the thing. Maybe they spend money on him, pay him that little bit, but he gets his money from elsewhere as well. To make it up. Yeah, I like think he, I think the, if 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 Tesman like really wants to stay in RC, he will accept a very you know, let's say small pay from Yugen, but he will become the Canadian distributor. Something that too. along those lines. Yeah, you know where he gets so he like will basically you get a salary plus commission. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he'll get money off of sales in Canada. And then he'll work together with Drake in America. I think for Mugen and for Tessman, that's the best possible outcome yeah. of this decision. And then he makes money off, you know, he could get he could get contingency and stuff and probably some salaries yeah, or yeah, other companies yeah. and make it up. But yeah. as he's not, because a lot of people think, oh, he's going to get $5,000 a month from Mugen. No, I think no, Mayfield no, was no, getting $1,500 a month from them at that time. And he was winning those races. As the yeah. guy used to say, you got paid $500 per class, you know? Yeah. So, um, I think that's the best option for him if he doesn't. I think that's one of the options. But I think, 
but at a very yeah. low rate. And then he's going to have to work and become a distributor and do that type of stuff and sell in Canada and, and do that type of stuff. But that's exactly what Drake does too. Like, yeah, he's an OS driver, but he makes so much money off of like the whole engine thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe there's a tie Tasman engine thing. Who knows? I, no. it would be a, it would be a shame if Ty Tasman has to leave RC at 30 years old because he still yeah. has years left in his tank to do well and win races in my opinion yeah I hope not I hope not now Gord on the other th- on the other issue he's I think that and this is no disrespect to Gord I think that magic that he had you know when they first you know when Ty was young and all that stuff I, and I'm not saying that Gord's not going to be influential in his career, but I don't think that Gord's going to get a job as a team man. I don't think no company is going to pay for Gord and him at the same time. Right now. No, 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 no. I don't think. No, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think. And that's no disrespect. Yeah. Maybe he wants to go out and get a regular job too. All this traveling around and all that type of stuff. And it's like, you know, maybe he just wants to chill out and enjoy his family. And Ty, Ty's got a wife too, you know. So he's got to provide for her or if she has her own job. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. All yeah. right. Um, that's enough about Silly Season for this podcast. We will talk. So coming up next on the next podcast will be X-Ray, Future of HB, Schumacher, Sparko, and Griner, who is maximum bullshit. Best coat ever. And if, yeah. if we get some Silly Season news in between now and recording, then we'll talk about that. So with that said, we are going to go forward. We're going to start recapping a couple of races that I went to talk about my trip. Uh, and that is brought to you by Racetech RC Engines. Racetech Engines are sold by Clinic RC. Clinic RC has been a sponsor of the podcast for quite some time. If you want to check out some of their products, go check them out. They have plenty of titanium plus the Racetech Engines that are getting 10 minutes plus runtime, says Tony Newman, telling me the other day. Check them out at clinicrc.com. And here's our commercial form. Thank you to Clinic RC for their continued support. Uh, we have links for that. Their shop in the written description of this podcast. All right, Max. So as you know, I spent, as I talked earlier, I went away for five weeks, five races in a row. Uh, and my first race was the Alabama Manufacturer Shootout. I believe this was the 14th version of this race. Um, it is in Coleman, Alabama. Now, this is the second time that I've been to this race. So how it starts is my normal trip starts. I leave her at... Uh, it was this time, it was four, 3 o'clock in the morning that my flight left, 4 o'clock, because we're one hour ahead of EST now. Arrived in my um, arrived in Fort Lauderdale. Danny Pass picked me up. We drove right up to, that was Tuesday morning, we drove right up to Lake Park with Lance, finished, packed his stuff up, and then we was on the road. We met up with uh, Gene and um, Patrick. They actually, no, actually, they drove to, to Lance's. And then we started the road trip up to Common. I love these road trips. It's lots of laughs. I didn't fall asleep. I just blinked really long. Everybody else did besides Lance. Nobody caught me sleeping. And we got ready to go up there because this is a full production race. This is where Lance takes his VIP tents. His um, We have all these speakers. Well, actually, did he have to take his speakers and stuff? He had to take speakers and stuff. Yes, because we had to load our stuff up. 
um, and everything else. Even though, even though he takes his extra speakers, I believe I think he took his speakers. I can't remember. Anyway, you know, but he sets up VIP tents. This is a full production for us as well, and I'm super excited about this race because it was having for the first time a big contingent of Europeans coming. We had uh, Robert coming, Nicola from Hot Race wasn't racing. We had Juan Carlos Canas, Marco Barufalo. Uh, who else am I missing? Uh, we had Paco coming. JQ was there. Scott Walker was there. Even though Scott was, he's not a big time racer, but it was good to see. Uh, Juan Carlos Canas bought a friend from Spain with him, like his pit guy, but it was also also racing. Salty Joe was gonna be there. Uh, my my new buddy Kimo, who's salt, I call him Salty's nephew, and of course we had all the Mayako guys. So basically, I was getting to see all my friends. That I haven't seen, like I haven't seen JQ and those guys since IBC, but I got to see all those guys all in one spot and hang out with them <clears throat> for a little bit at this race. So I was really, really looking forward to that, and I got a chance to do that. So we pull up. Uh, Bobby and those guys are still building the track when we got there. We set up all our stuff. I was actually set up. So a lot of times people have to understand. I'm not even looking at the track. Most of the time I'm not even looking at the track. I'm just looking at the screen. So I set up in like the hallway of a bathroom. We got locked off, and I was there because I wanted to be out of the smoke and and dust and stuff like that. And um, we got going like that's this is a long race because it starts Thursday, right? So you have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they did add extra. They did add extra uh, classes this year, so they added a forty plus class. So that put the even though it's capped, they put the it's capped thirty entries per per race, right? So each race went down to a C main. Uh, so that extra class put on like a extra hundred entries, which is fine. They have to make their money, but it made for longer days for everybody. So practice, you know, this is this is the only race time event that has control practice, like fully control practice where you practice in your heats and all that type of stuff. So it's based off like a European race. And also the thing about this race is track time. You get double A finals, double lower finals for electric. Triple A finals, 10 minute A finals for electric, 30 minute B mains for 30 minute lower mains, and then 45 minute A mains for all nitro classes. Plus, everybody gets a 10 minute Super Pool race on Saturday. Yeah. So we did practice Friday, like I said, Thursday, and then people were able to practice Friday. They didn't practice, th- like, another practice Friday. And I think we. No, we, we did. Did we do practice on Friday? Or did we go straight? In? No, we did practice Thursday, then right, right into qualifying on Friday, yeah. if I remember. I mean, trust me, people are like, you don't remember? I don't remember. Yeah, I did a lot of races <laughs> in between then and now. Uh, and that was yeah. five weeks ago. Uh, and, but the practice, so how qualifying works is qualifying only sets the grid for your Super Bowl race. Yeah. So if you qualified in that A sort, you're, you're guaranteed to be in the A sort, but you could have TQ'd. And if you don't TQ, if you don't win your Super Bowl race, you start wherever you finished. You could you could break in your TQ race and have to start 13th. Also allow for traditional bump up. So it was 13 right through, 12 right through one. No. How the heck did it go? It was, it was 11. I think it was 11 or 12 straight through, then one bump up. Right, and then three then, bump up yeah. from the lower mains. Yeah. So, right. So, it ended up being 16 car mains in each race. Yeah. Uh, the track, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's not that good. It's not, I thought it was great. I thought it made for great racing. It was fast. It held up good. Had that rhythm section going through the middle. 
AMS is one of the, it's not that much space, but it's got a, a good bit of dirt. So I think Bobby did a good job there. Uh, it was a little bit, it wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be really cold there, but it was, it was, you know, sweat top and stuff like that. Uh, and so it was cool because I had never seen this Super Bowl thing that Lance had come up with. It's a Super Bowl race, not a, not a traditional Super Bowl like we saw at Florida Copper Championships or we saw at RCGP or we see in On Road, which I think is gone now, by the way. We, we need to talk about it in the next podcast. So Ephraim made yeah. some rules uh, about tires and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's like a 10-minute race. So everybody got a 10-minute race. And that I actually thought that was exciting. Now, a lot of people didn't like that because they're like, well, I've got this good qualifying position. Then my Super Bowl places me where I start. But the name of this game was track time. And you, if you ran three or more, if you ran two classes at this race, you got a lot of track time. If you ran three or more, you got so much track time. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think, I do think there's still some tweaks to be made to the, the like when you run the Super Bowl race or a qualifying mm-hmm. race, whichever name you want to call it. Um, I think it's like there's no point in having that much quality. So instead of having three rounds of quality at five minutes, you could have like two rounds of quality and that would be your seeding basically. So you'd have same as you do seeding normally, like you could have like three rounds of free practice, then you could have two rounds of seeding and then you'd go into the qualifying race Mm -hmm. and you could even have like two qualifying races, you know, or super Bowls or whatever. So I, I think like, Still some tweaks because I'd, I'd much rather have more time racing out there than qualifying. And when the qualifying doesn't end up having that much uh, effect on your final results, I think it's much better to have um, less of it. Okay. Well, let's go over qualifying. We'll talk about Nitro Buggy, JCC, JC3. That's his new name because he has three C's in his name. So it's JC3. And I told him, your new name is Hota Setter. And he goes, why? I see you have three names, not with C. That's why. And he goes, oh, that makes sense. Uh, he like he came out swinging, swinging, swinging. I was like, yeah. oh, man, I think I think this is going to be uh, JC3 the whole time. Lutz finished. Yeah. So he had a two, a zero, and a ten. Then Lutz came out. He had a Lutz came out swinging, too. He had a four, a five, and a zero. Then had a zero, 13, and a seven. Mayfield was like in four, four, we're kind of seeing him. He had a three, a 16, and a five. The Iceman makes a full out of 636. I'm just going through your top 11. Hackert had a 7, 10, and a 2. Tebow had an 11, 2, and 18. Wiggins had a 9, 24, 4. Rivkin, Safanale, and Jonah Wilson. So that was your top 11 that qualified straight through to the A final, right? Now, I'm thinking that uh, JC, like I'm telling you, like he looked right, right fast off the bat. This is his first time in the Southeast. For him, first time in the Southeast for Robert. Uh, all those European guys, Paco, everybody. And I have to say, every top racer was at this race besides Cavallari. So this had a full contingent yeah. of American racers and a good bit of the European racers. Uh, so this was the last big indoor race of the year, indoor eight-scale race of the year. It was absolutely stacked. Uh, at Nitro, it was, at Nitro Truggy, it was Fenn, Mayfield, Canass, Spencer Rifkin, Tebow, uh, Robert was driving a new Truggy there as well. And Pro E-Buggy, we had Kanasi TQ that Fuller, Lutz, Fuller, Seth, Dakota. So both Fullers made it. That's good. Seth and Dalen, uh, Spencer Rifkin, Jonah Wilson, Jared T. Ryan Mayfield, Bornhorst squeaking in in the 11th. 
So that was really good. And of course, there was a big kerfuffle because JQ was running Nitro Buggy, right? Degani was there too. Yeah. So people were complaining about that. But JQ actually took TQ of that, followed by Patrick Russell. Alex Lim, who is the South American champion, made the trip up. A Mayako driver, first race in America too. He was fast, but he struggled with... He was like, man, these, oh, your, your camera finally went off. It was about time. Yeah. <laughs> so he struggled a bit with uh, traffic and all that stuff. I know racing in Europe, in South America, everybody knows who his car was. Um, but he was fast. And, you know, Dylan Manchandler, the, the intermediate crowd was pretty good, I would say, as well. So JQ was running 40 plus Nitro Buggy, and he didn't TQ that. Philip Otondo actually won that. He got a 0 0 2, and JQ got a 6 2 and 0. Uh, so JQ was running 40 plus at intermediate bug. This is important because people were mad at JQ because it's like, he's a pro and he's running intermediate and blah, blah, blah. Da, 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 da. Well, JQ isn't a pro driver. He doesn't drive at a pro. Uh, he, he may have once been almost pro quality, but he's never been paid. And he, one of his reasons, the only reason he drove so. The reasons he done intermediate is because he was helping Paco and Pro, right? And he couldn't do both. Uh, because even though we had a bunch of entries, it was still very fast paced to program. The guys didn't really have much time to breathe. I remember Robert's like, oh, I need some time. It's too it's going too fast, right? Well, that's funny because the Europeans usually are used to a little faster program. Uh but it was, it was, and not only that, there was a big Mayako team there. So he was constantly busy with people and helping people out and all that type of stuff. So it was decent. And then going into the qualifying, the, Super the pole. Super Poles, let me find that up here. Super Poles happened Saturday morning. So we had a bunch of Super Pole races. And in the end, it was, uh, I will have the, let me look for it right here. In the end, oh, there we go. Super Pearl. So we had 36 Super Pearl races. I'm looking for Pro Nitro Buggy. In the end, I think it was Mason Fuller who ended up with the TQ overall, over J one Carlos Canas. Uh, once I find it, I'll let you know. Uh, here we go. Pro Nitro. Uh, amen. So it was, why doesn't it have it here? If everybody's starting, I want to see how it started. So I know Mason Fuller was starting first. I believe Mayfield was starting second. And um, why doesn't it have, you know, it would have been great if we would have had the. So let's, I have it here. So Mason Fuller was first. Ryan Mayfield was second. JC3 was third. Rivkin was fourth. Spencer Rifkin, Jonah Wilson, Dakota Fend, Ryan Lutz, Spencer Hackett, Joe Bornhorse, Jeff. Oh, so you so it was 12. I apologize. So 12 went up and 13 went. Three more bumped up. Tebow just squeaked in. He actually uh yeah, okay. So I'm yeah. just going through the so anyway, Mason Fuller started on poll. I was just sorry, I was just going through the results there from the super poll. And I was like, when he started in pole, dude, he was so fast in his super pole. I was like, yeah. I think this is going to be... I said, this race is going to be between Jake, Juan Carlos Canas, and Mason Fuller. I swore it was going to be between those two guys because that's how... That's just how fast they were. Like, you know, Juan Carlos Canas was fast the entire weekend. 
And then, um, yeah. you know, but Mason Fuller kind of just pipped him at the end. And I was like, all right, I think this is going to be Mason Fuller's breakout race. I really thought it was going to be. There we did. We started the race here. Let me go back. For those of you watching this on on our on our YouTube, you can go to uh, Race Time Entertainment and check out their YouTube page. And you can watch the whole race in better quality than you can here. If you're watching online, you can watch it as well. So here's the start. So the start of this race, right? I'm not going to lie. As soon as Mason took off, these two kind of broke away. And I was like, and there you see some kerfuffle back there. I was like, oh, man. As soon as I saw Mayfield hounding him like this, I kind of knew that Mayfield was going to win this. Yeah. yeah I don't I know. Go ahead. It's, Mayfield is a little bit of a weird weird one because he's always um, not that impressive in qualifying. But then for some reason, when the main starts, if he's on it, he's like really on it, you know? Whereas Ka because Kanas looked by far the best in both buggy classes, mm -hmm. like uh, uh, right up until like this point, you know? Like Super Bowl, he kind of messed up in Nitro. And then like he only ended up finishing, was he fourth uh, on uh, Nitro Buggy? So he didn't even make the podium in Nitro Buggy at the end, um, which was surprising. But yeah, Mayfield took off. And I mean, Fend was at the end, like Fend ended, ended up quite close to him. But uh, from the get go, it seemed like Fuller was kind of holding up Mayfield here. And mm -hmm. yeah, after mm -hmm. that, it was kind of like Mayfield Fend show. Right until the end. Um, but yeah, I think that's either up. JCC or JC3 or Lutz right behind him. No, uh, it's Lutz because Lutz. Lutz was on yeah. it too. Lutz was fast. When I saw, like, I look at, so I watched Mason do his Super Bowl and he was driving much better than this. It's like he went into instant defense mode right here. Yeah, I think so too. And look at look at Mayfield. He is like, I I am going to chop you down like a big... I'm going to chop you down. He was just all I have. I will be honest. I, this is the first race all year that I'm seeing Mayfield look so confident right off the get of a race. Get go race. You know, I've seen him yeah. go be mid pack and come through. Uh, but to be this confident right at the start of, I mean, look, he is right on and lots is coming too, but lots makes a mistake. And I'm like, Oh, I knew at like right away. Mayfield's going to take this. And I thought it was just going to be a complete runaway. Now, I did think that at some point there's one Carlos Canales with the white wing. I thought he would make a charge for it as well. And he, and he just, it just never materialized. He was fast all weekend, but something was off in his mind. There, Mayfield made one of his very few mistakes. But I yeah. was like, okay, maybe Fuller's going to pull away now. Nope, because Lutz is right behind him. Mayfield was able to just pull away from guys and just chase down Mason and overtake him and win this race. Um, yeah. It was. Uh, and then afterwards, he just goes, this was the best the best techno car I've had. And near the end, I thought that, like you said, I thought Dakota Fenn was going to chase him down because he was coming. He was coming. Yeah. He was chasing him down. But then Fenn just made too many mistakes, right? And yeah. that just ended up giving, I think, a well-deserved victory in Pro Nitro Buggy to, to Ryan Mayfield. I mean, he drove in very well here in this main he he kind of put himself his super pole was good. Do you think he, he started second? So he found something later on in this race. And I'm gonna say this, man. I'll say 
at Truy was there, right? Truy was his pit man. I said every time I see, I think I see uh, Mike Truy show up to a race with Mayfield. I know he. I'm not saying it isn't serious any other time, but it's like, yeah, it's a good chance he might win this race with Mike Truy in his pits. I'm not saying that nobody else that that isn't that nobody else pits him good, but I think having Truy there just gives him that extra confidence as well because Drake wasn't at this race yeah. either, so. Well done to Techno. Well done to Mayfield for winning this race. JC3, first time over in in the USA. He finishes third. Uh, so let's go through the running order. Sorry. So it was Ryan Mayfield. Then it was Dakota Fenn in second. Mason Fuller held on to third. Another great top three. But I really want to see the Iceman win a race. It's coming. But it's been coming for a while now. It's got to happen. Juan Carlos Canas was in fourth. A great top five for Ryan Lutz. Spencer Heckert six. I didn't even I didn't even realize. I forgot that they finished sixth. Spencer Rifkin seventh. Jonah Wilson probably got the biggest compliment from JQ. Anybody's going to get from JQ. I asked JQ who was the most impressive driver. He was impressed with this year, and it was Jonah at this race, and it was Jonah Wilson. So well done, Jonah Wilson. You've impressed you impressed me all year, but you impressed JQ enough where he mentioned your name. That is JQ compliments come very few and far between. So. Big Joe Bornhorst was in ninth. Jared Wiggins, 10th. Seth Vendalen, 11th. Joey Bernardo for solid performance in uh, making the A-Main in 12th. A solid performance from Caden Fuller making the A-Main in, uh, in 15th. Brandon Rose, unfortunate in 14th. Jared Tebow having a stinker for his last. He, he considers a stinker finishing 15th for his last big race uh, in his career. Well, you know, I'm not saying he's going to do any more big races, but his official last big race as a top pro. And then Technos Cole Caston in 16th. You know who's missing from this list? Cole Ogden. Yeah. He didn't make the main, right? Uh, let's see. I did, let's see what happened with him. I, I don't think, think he, oh, no, he, fin- he, tried, he finished 17th in, in qualifying. Yeah, I, I think he just didn't make the main. Yep. You know? uh, him... Tyler Jones, Taylor Sontag, Lee Setzer. I'm surprised he didn't he didn't make it in. He didn't bump in. Oh, did he? Hold on, let's go back here. No, no, Setzer wasn't in the main. Yeah, yeah. So Dunga is kind of disappointed not making the main. I would say, um, Taylor Sontag. No, but I think I do have to say, Robert didn't make not... the main. Tessman didn't make the main. Yeah. Yeah. Echo. Also, Tessman last last race with X-ray not making the main. Hey, but Ruffalo had a stinker. He broke yeah, like he, almost every race or something yeah. happened. His engine happened and then he was in Truggy though. He was flying. He was yeah. absolutely flying. So here's an interesting. This track was very interesting because it didn't really get rough. It grooved up almost instantly. Uh, it, it was dusty, but not as dusty. They did blow it. It had a, I think it was because I like that middle section. I like this section as well. You know, it was a lot of 180s and just kind of like super crossy, which we come to expect. This little section right here where they're going around, that little pipe caught so many people off guard, Max. I saw so yeah. many people turn into that pipe on the 180. And yeah, it was a good race, man. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was a little bit long uh, because it did go to like 1.30 on Sunday or 1 o'clock Sunday. Man, it was it was it was a long day of calling. I, I made a I made a mistake by not taking a break. 
Yeah. And <laughs> by the time it came around to like the intermediate mains and the pro mains, I was, I was, I was so tired. Like my voice was gone. I was tired. Like, like when I'm talking, like right her, just all that talking just made right her hurt. Um, so congratulations to those guys. Let's have, a, let's just stop this for a second. Let's have a look at Truggy real quick because I think these guys did pretty good. So Truggy, we saw, I'm just going through some of the results. I want to bring up JQ's main as well. Um, Truggy, Pro Nitro Truggy. We saw Dakota Fenn take the win, followed by Ryan Mayfield. Ryan Lutz, another good performance by him, top three. Mason Fuller, Joe Bornhorst, Jared Tebow had a good run in six. Spencer Rifkin, Cole Ogden made the main, Tessman made the main, Robert made the main in that prototype. Spencer Hackett, Lee Setzer, JC3 didn't finish his race. Brandon Rose, Wiggins, and Baruflo was out after eight minutes. And I believe in E-Buggy, after the triple mains were done, we saw that it was Juan Carlos Canas who went one and one, so he didn't race the last one. Spencer Rifkin with a, a three, a 11, and a second. Mason Fuller, even though he didn't get a win, a solid weekend of threes. You know? Yeah. He, uh, Ty Tessman in fourth, Dakota Fenn fifth, Tater Sontag sixth, Mayfield seventh, Lutz eighth, Little Bump ninth, Bornhorse tenth, Caden Fuller eleventh, Jared Wiggins, Brandon Rose, Stephen Dale, and Jonah Wilson, and Jared Tebow. All right, but you know what? We have to talk about JQ's epic failure in his intermediate main. So he did win 40 plus. He did yeah. win 40 plus. Now he beat, that was his mission. Did you hear his interview afterwards? Yeah, it was uh, great. My, dream, my dream, dream life has come to, true. Yeah. My dream come true to win 40 plus. I've been preparing my whole life for this. I finally came true. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, it was so epic. He won 40 plus. He ran on this in a high. Um, an intermediate is no joke at these races, right? Intermediate stacked. And he was, he ran into intermediate. And where did he finish? He ended up finishing second, right? He yeah, was just was behind. Second. Patrick won. Yes. So Patrick won. Captain America. I think we're going to name a National Day of Heroism for him for beating JQ <laughs> uh, in America. Well done, Patrick. But it, it came down because Pe Pecco was doing impeccable pits, by the way. Right? So was yeah. so Pecco was doing great fuel stops with the fuel gun, and then uh, Gene was doing great fuel stops with a fuel bottle for Patrick. Uh, Patrick was running very short on fuel. So by all, like he had to come in for a splash and dash at the end of this to finish it, right? So JQ made a couple mistakes in this race that cost him his race. One was he, like Pecco, he overshot the, I think he came up on pit lane and then fell off pit lane, if I remember correctly, <laughs> right? If I remember correctly, he, come, he fell off pit lane and then he had to go another lap. At one point, also, like, I think he missed Pecco in one of his pits as well, if I'm not mistaken. So there's JQ. He's still in first. And we have eight minutes. To, let's, let's see if we can watch the last few minutes of this epic failure. Now, I'm on her. You know, JQ, I'm going to give him shit all the time because that's all he does is give me fucking. He gives me shit everything I do. Right. So I'm watching him. I'm like, I know his epic failure is coming at some point. At some point. JQ is going to, just like it was in Buggyland, at some point, JQ is yeah. going to screw it up. <laughs> right? 
So he's going, he's got the win. He's got like a pretty decent lead over these guys. And of course, in typical JQ fashion, he overshoots, he misses his fuel tank or something. He runs out of fuel. Now he says, this is the funny thing about it. How many times have people told JQ the brakes on the car are problems, right? Well, not that are problems, but they don't like them. His brakes acted up. He lost brakes. <laughs> he said the link came out. The man who does all this mechanic and all this type of stuff. Oh, shit. He <laughs> lost brakes. Huh? Backwave fell running down to the pits. Oh, did I missed that. Hold on. Let's go back. Go back. I need to go bit. see that. He, he flamed out in the beginning of the straight. It was like just, just now. Uh, Hold on. Yeah, just right bit before. This is yeah, when yeah, he ran out yeah, of fuel. Yeah, he ran out, runs out of fuel at the beginning of the straight. Like you can see, the camera is now following him, and he just like slowly flames out. And now he's at the beginning of the straight, runs out of fuel, seven what forty part forty four to go, and, and then like next up you see Beko run. Yeah, you hear Beko running with the car. And he, he even almost face planted at the concrete wall. Yeah, Peck almost broke that wall. Um, yeah. I could imagine all the cuss words that were coming out and finish right now. Because you know, if you have a pit of JQ, the guy is a nervous wreck when stuff like this happens. He must have been freaking out. And there goes Patrick. Now Patrick had to come in for one more fuel stop. JQ would have been cool for this. Uh, but yeah, JQ said that the brakes went on his car and this and whatnot, and um, he didn't win intermediate, man. So all that noise that people were making about him being inter intermediate, he didn't make it. And congratulations to Patrick Rossler. Patrick was super happy about winning this race. He was like, yeah. people, let me tell you, when he won, there was like a big round of applause in the stadium <laughs> for him. <laughs> people were just happy that JQ didn't win. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, though, JQ was very fast. He... he I, I will say this. JQ drove very well at this race. Like, he drove very well for a guy that hasn't had really much practice. Or, you know, and JQ oh, loves he hasn't, practice. He hasn't practiced at all since, like, the very beginning of the year. Like, even, like, they, he didn't practice at all during the summer. He only, like, raced at Bogeyland and the 40-plus Euros. But mm -hmm. he hasn't practiced at all, you know. he's Every time he went to testing, Pekko was driving, so... Like he hasn't driven at all. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Uh I enjoyed it. Like I said, I enjoyed the race. It was just a little bit long. Uh, I was happy to go see all my friends and all that type of stuff. It was good to see some good racing as well. I mean, to be fair, I kind of wanted the uh the A finals of Nitro Buggy didn't really there's JQ, there's Patrick right there. They give a little fist bump. Patrick goes, It's okay, good buddy. Don't worry, you'll win one day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, it was fun on that sense. It was good to see all my friends. I think it was a good event. I think it was successful for the for the race time guys as well. Whereas I know that this race, they went through this they went through this new capped entry, the new system, all that type of stuff, and it struggled uh, the first couple of years that it had it. So hopefully they continue to do it this way. Like I said, there can be some fine, some fine tune adjustments made as well to it. Like you were saying, um, but people like to get their three qualifiers as well. I'm sure, yeah. Like any race, some people like it, some people don't. 
you can't please everybody. And it was good. Yeah. But this was the first race of my my trip out there. Uh and it was good to see the Europeans. This is what I this is it was very good to see the Europeans come to the Southeast. Yeah, I think very that's good. exactly like what like people maybe don't realize that like races like DNC and and PMB, where you get so little track time and at such different times, it's really, really difficult to come overseas, you know? It's like And it's not no, a guaranteed race. Yeah, that too. Like like for example, the NC it's rained out now what four years in a row. Well yeah, not rained not, out, but you know what I mean. I mean you've skipped at least like a few rounds of practice or even qualifying, or even the whole race from being run on a different track like it happened last time. Huh? Yeah, and it was also a treat for for the Southeast racers to see something different as well. You know, they yeah. got to see these Europeans. Obviously, JC3 is running hot. He's a European champion now, so that was good for them to see Robert. Um, J- JQ, like even JQ was shocked. He was like, man, a lot of people came up and talked to him about his course and all that type of stuff. See, yeah. the, the, the Southeast races a lot. The Southeast East Coast, they race a lot. And now we counted it. They have, with the race time events, Mark Moon's events, and Brent's two events, we have eight big races or eight, eight indoor or under roof races in the Southeast going into next year. And it was yeah. eight this year. So people like the guaranteed effect. Um, I'm, I know I talked to Nicola. He said he might come back to SIC. Which is their next race next year? I know Dave, because PNB is his 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 baby. That's what he loves. It's the biggest race. He wants the Europeans to come as well. Uh, I'm trying to get them to come as well. Um, I know like guys like Ronafalk said he might come for PNB. People have interest in going to PNB as well, but we'll see how it goes. It's it's just in the middle of like a lot of races. It's like IBC PNB, yeah. and then uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that like, yeah, the issue with those races is just that like really difficult to come from overseas, you know, mm-hmm. because you basically have to go there, you have to have the right tires, you have to have the setup, and then you just race, which is what the Americans do because they race on these like Bobby's tracks and like the East Coast rope tracks all the time. They know what works. And well, hot race found something that works because Nico. That's one of the reasons Nicola came over. Oh, Marco Rossi was there too. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was there. Help, which I think what I think that's why I was glad to see companies like Hot Race and Reds come over. There. They came and saw, you know, when you think of American races, obviously DNC, Silver State, PNB is included, but the Europeans majority go to DNC and Silver State. Well, he yeah. they both got to see that there is a big market in the southeast, and that people race a lot. And I think it was very good for their brands. I think uh, Nicola said SIC. I'm hoping, I'm imploring European guys, come to SIC or at least come to, let's go, let's come to PNB. If you can get some coming there, that'd be great as well because that's the biggest race. And I think we'll see them coming more. Obviously, so, you know, and not everybody can be happy, but mm. I think it was a great race. Uh, it was fun. You got lots of track time. It did go a little long. I just looked at the race time. It, it went, the last man was at 12.34. But when you have that entrance, you have that much runtime, something has to struggle, right? And it was that. And I just wanted to shout out to a few other people who did really well. So that young girl, Bella, she she ran um, 
she ran Nitro for the first time, right? And she actually did very well. And it's a it's two young girls in the Southeast that are doing really well in RC. It's Mad Maddie Long, who's really good. She's like 13. And she races a lot and races almost everything. Uh, and then the girl, Bella, who's a little older, she actually, she, she raced a lot of electric, but now she's racing. She just started racing the, uh, you know, like she, she was, she's a very good e-buggy racer and all that type of stuff and nitro and e and, um, e-truggy racer, but now she's running nitro and she had a very good solid weekend of, um, nitro racing in my opinion. And so did, uh, so did Ms. Matt. And look, like this is a whole different class. It's stacked, right? It's a lot of people there. It's, it's not easy. And, she did pretty well, man. Matt Maddie Long finished eighth in the e buggy mains, and Bala finished fourth over on e e truggy. Sorry, and I'm trying to see where they finished in uh electric e buggy as well. I think they almost did. She make the hold on. Let me check real quick. Uh, okay, I am mistaken. I thought she made the oh no, she did. She finished tenth. Overall in Nitro, which is very good for Bala. So congratulations to her. Always good to see females racing as well. And she uh and the the young girl Matt Maddie Long, man, she's fast. I watch her race a lot this year. So good to see Sefesto Nice. Funny thing about the intermediate Truggy class. So Juan Jose Cerna, he he started like in the D main of intermediate and bumped all the way to the A main. So he got yeah. 30, he got like almost 120 minutes of runtime. And then in the truggy man, it was so he was so angry. He was so angry. In the truggy man, he was in third or fourth. Yeah. And then he hit, he broke his truck on the last couple of corners, right? And then the turn marshal uh picked him up and then put him over by the line. Like, I don't know if there's someone to get it, and he ran across the line. And then he was still mad. He got awarded fourth, right? Because he didn't finish the 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 uh race under his power oh man yeah. he was he was he was talking to me in spanish and like he was so angry he was i didn't even understand what he's saying in spanish but in the end he didn't really have not, much he, the only person he had to be angry was at himself because he broke right but man he was he was big mad about that it was a good race and then uh on the sunday <laughs> so sunday night we're packing up and it's like one o'clock in the morning and curls out there blowing up bloody Fuel, fuel cans, VP fuel cans. And I'll never forget, JQ's walking and I'm like, boom, and you saw JQ jump and it's like, cool. Like, like he was scolding him like a, like a, like a little, what the hell are you doing, Cole? <laughs> JQ, is that your scared voice? It was just, it was fun, man. I enjoyed seeing my friends. I enjoyed seeing everybody there. And um, I thought it was a good last of the year race for people. Like last, when I say last, last big one eight scale race. And congratulations to Mayfield, man. He he absolutely killed it. And I think he goes into twenty twenty four on a very high note with that win. And you know he just also won recently won at the U.S. Open, which we're going to talk about. Um, all right, Max. So that was my first race of that of that trip. Then I did Florida Carpet Champions right after that. But we're going to talk about that in the next podcast. And after Florida Carpet Champs was the FRCC race. Which I done. Now, this racetrack, out of all of them that I went to, was the track that I wanted to race the most for some reason. Like I wanted to take some laps on. I never got to because it rained. 
and during practice, so practice was cut down short. And also, we had Thanksgiving dinner there for the first time I ever had Thanksgiving in America. It was fun. I want to say thank you to everybody that came out and bought food. We had, so we we got there. Me, Lance and I got there on a Wednesday, and then like the rest of everybody came Thursday. And people for this, this is a one day race. It has practice on the Friday, but it's usually a one day race where you have practice in the morning. Dude, people start showing up for these races on Thursday. That's how popular it is. Now, this race was not as so, it didn't sell out completely, but it had a good bit of entries, a good bit of people there. Um, but for Thanksgiving, the day after, the week after Thanksgiving was very good, I thought. And it was fun. And we did full coverage for it. It rained. So, like, the track crew was working on the track all Friday, all Friday morning. We got on the track about 5 o'clock that night, and people practiced till about 11. I really like this track. I'm trying to find the footage of it, but it's, no, it's like I can't find it on freaking, um, on uh, what you call it at the moment. But they did a really good job of joining this, and this was the last, like I said, this was the last race of the series, race 7. And a lot of points came down to it. Uh, a lot of the points came down to the end. So Trent and Julian were battling it out for Pro Nitro Buggy and E-Buggy, I believe. Julian ended up winning it. He like won both E-Buggy and Nitro Buggy at this race in Pro. Uh, Trent was pretty good as well. He finished second, I believe. He drove well, and I think Julian won the overall. This young kid, well, not young, but this kid, JP Sainz, he's in his teens. Dude, he was driving intermediate. And I, this guy drove so well in e-buggy and nitro buggy. It was amazing. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm watching you race a few times now. That's the best I've ever seen you drive. Uh, it was, it was awesome, man. It was a great experience. It was the final. Lance has put up all the, all the, all the, uh, results on his page on the Florida RC championships page. I just wanted to shed some love on this because I've, I had the honor of attending three of these races. Now, the first race I went to was in Mills Pond. It was, um, I didn't do, co- I didn't do commentary. I just did interviews and was just hanging out. And then my walkabouts, the second race was at Epic. And then this third one was at, at, uh, Callahan RC Raceway, which is just outside of Jacksonville. And I enjoyed all three of them that I attended and I'm going to a few next year and I'm probably going to do some remote commentary for a couple. But this is, I have to reiterate. I think this is one of, if not the best one eight scale series that we have. He, it's it is amazing how it blows how it not blows out sorry sells out sorry i think people love it people care about the points i've said this over again it has full coverage like full coverage like commentary interviews with that's what i was born on to do pictures moving cameras all that type of stuff and it was quite an honor to be a part of this this year i want to thank lance for that i want to thank all of the florida rc community that supported me to come there as, as well. And also I, I forgot to say this, but I want to say thank you to Dave and everybody at race time entertainment for having me there as well to do commentary on Alabama manufacturer shootout. I look forward to doing SIC that wouldn't have been possible without all the support from everybody out there. So that was two races that I, uh, that the AMS race plus the Florida RC championships that I was a part of this year. I was super happy to be a part of all of that. And it was absolutely awesome. Thank you all for that supporting that opportunity all right max if i left anything out of those races i apologize it's been a long time and they happened they happened like three weeks ago now so i do apologize for that 
All right, Max. So I think we're going to touch on the 12 scale worlds. I'm not going to go too deep into this because I actually will be talking about this. I'm doing a recap of if uh, Fat Jesus or Hefty, Mike Hanalak, who was there. Oh my God, he is insane. He was making me laugh the entire weekend. So as you guys know, the last race of my trip was going to be back at Beachline Raceway in Cocoa Beach. It was for the 112 IFMAR 112 scale uh, on-road carpet. Well, I guess it's just on-road. They run on carpet. Uh, on-road 12 yeah. scale world championships. Now, it's we've called. talked a little bit about 12 scale here. It's a very niche of a niche of a niche in our very niche sport. I went in there completely blind, not knowing anything about it. Um, and I came out of there a fan of it and learning a lot about it. Uh, I met a lot of cool, awesome new people. Uh, so I'll just start out that, you know, after our race in, after our race, I'm actually got this on the computer now. So after our race at Lake Wakama, which was full bro, which I'll touch on the next, in the next podcast, uh, we headed straight on. We didn't even go anywhere else. We went from full ball right down to beach line in, in Florida. Now we had already been to Beachline two weeks prior to that for the Florida Carpet Championships, which that man you just saw won as well. But we'll talk about that in the other podcast. So I was a little bit nervous. This is a world's. This is not my element. But I knew people there. Like I knew Alexander Hagberg. I got to meet him, which was great. For the first time, we've been we've been friends for quite a long time, and to meet him, and one of the first. So it was pretty cool because Hefty introduced me to all. He's the Automatics USA. Uh, importer, so he introduced me to all the Automatics guys. I met Max Mashler. Do you know Mashler? Max, have you met him? I I have never met him, but obviously I know of him, like uh, because he's he's been quite. It I'd say he's been like the main guy of Automatics in in sense of like uh, public outreach. Mm-hmm. So I obviously know of him, but I've never met him in person. I've never raced on road. Uh, okay, so this class. So I did a little bit of research. So this class was the second class. 12 scales, very old. It was the second class in 1982 or 83 that, that had a world championship. First, it was like one eight scale on road. But the first class, first time they raced 12 scale, which was the second class of world championship was 1982, I believe. And I believe, I want to say Tony Nisinger won it. So they have a 13.5. At this race, they had a 13.5 stock spec class and they had the mod class. Now, the 13.5 spec class was the biggest class there. So it was only about 70-something entries at this race, but spec class had six heats, whereas uh, mod had two and a half. And in the end, they just wanted on to two. A few guys didn't make it. Like a few guys from a lot of people that went to the 2020 Worlds. Now, the last time they had this World Championship was in 2020. It was in Milton Keynes in that mall where they have the British GP, right? Yeah. So... They haven't had a world due to COVID to three years later. Now, I don't know the the health of 12 scale in America or around the world, but it definitely had a bigger attendance in Europe, right? I was actually watching. Yeah. You guys want to learn a little bit more about this? Uh, you can go to Track Rats, RC Track, Track Rats on YouTube or Facebook. They did a podcast. It's uh, the Mangler, Monty, and Mike Hefty, Fat Jesus, who did this. So they, that's our podcast. Sorry. So for me, just come into something new, offer it, offer it, offer it, 
coming to something new was refreshing, right? Something new. I've never seen this. I watched this on television. I've watched it on, um, you know, I, I've watched it on, whatchamacallit, but to actually get there and actually see it and see the speed that these cars do was absolutely freaking amazing, man. They are exceptionally fast and handle incredibly. And they're so tiny, right? So Beachline built a beautiful track. It was huge, too. Did you have a look at the track at all? Oh, yeah. Was, I followed the whole thing. Uh, so okay. So uh, according to the guys there, this track was bigger than what? That track should have been a typical... Um, a typical track is about three quarters the size of that track that we watched, we saw. Yeah. So, oh yeah. It's like twelve scale, especially. It's it's not the tracks are very different from touring tracks. Uh, so you know, touring cars they usually have more flowing tracks. Like they need more space. Obviously, the bigger cars they're not as agile. But like these cars, sort of the style has always being very technical you know the point of point of these cars isn't to have a track where you know you just flow around the corners because the corner speeds of these things are just insanely fast like there's it's like it's it's hard to explain it you know but like yeah, going from fast dude. yeah like when you drive a tool drive buggy on dirt and then go to carpet that feels like crazy fast well this is like that times 10 you know it's it's insane like when you're driving these cars around the track you are not you know reacting to anything you mm -hmm. are you have a rhythm it's almost like slot cars in a sense where you have a rhythm it is like slot that, cars you know? yeah it's insane and like the spec class those are more controllable because like and they're still fast dude they are still like the spec, the spec cars are a little bit weird because they go as fast in the corners as they go on the straight, pretty much. Yes, it's, yes. So, it's crazy. so, so I wanted to say congratulations to the Beachline crew. They had, when it comes to a Worlds, like this is my second Worlds I've attended. Everything was thought of. They had, um, they had signs everywhere. They had media spots. They had, you know, they had their tech open. They had outdoor pitting for truing tires. So you had to true tires outside. So you weren't getting rubber dust all over the place. It was very well organized. So shout out to Robbie Michaels, Danny Chavez, and all the guys who organized this. It was super good. Like they they had every they had all their I's dotted and all their T's crossed. And they did a great job. So this is the first race on the new IFMAR, right? So it was the new IFMAR, by the way, is Eric Anderson, who actually raced at this race. He wasn't there as an IFMAR official, by the way. He was just there as a racer. But he's going to be a new president. I got to meet him. Uh, Tim Caporal was the person in charge. Uh, and then they were the only two officials from IFMAR. Vander. So this is the new IFMAR. I'm going to go on a tangent. The new IFMAR is EA, Caporal, Vander, Clive from over on Femka, and Bob Ingersoll. So it's three Americans, two, one European, and one guy from Femka. Very onward heavy, but that's fine. It's better than what we had. Uh, we had two officials from EFRA who I got to meet. One was an Englishman. I can't remember his name. The other gentleman was from Belgium. I guess they're 12 scale specialists. So they, they actually didn't really have to do much. They said my job is her, uh, her is to do of any protests, right? Uh, Clayton was there as the referee. He was in the driver's stand for every race from Roar. 
And I just say that they run a very flawless program, in my opinion. Um, I listen to other races as well. But, dude, I will say this, dude. They had a lot of practice at this race. <laughs> I mean, Danny always, because Danny's worked with, like, a lot, the F-Serif, uh championship there in Florida, on-road championship, and it's like Keenan at on-road races, because they, obviously they don't have a high entry count. You get lots of practice. Dude, these guys had eight-minute practice sessions. They had two. So it started on Tuesday. They had two on Tuesday, two on Wednesday. Then they started qualifying Thursday. And before they started qualifying, everybody got an eight-minute practice session. Yeah, and I, but I, it's not only because they have low entry count. It's also a lot down to the fact that, like, Onjo is really... Mm. Um, it's, it's really down to the setup, you know, of the cars. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's kind of always been the case. And then, you know, because times have changed and, you know, people have, um, you know, people have went on the different things, then it's gotten smaller, you know. But, like, it used to be, for example, TITC, one of the most famous touring car races in the world. Like, that used to be that people went there two weeks beforehand just to practice. It has It had, like, open practice for, like, a week or two before the race you know yeah. so like that's that's a little bit from the on-road world um the practice but yeah it's okay well it, that, that's fine yeah. that's fine i understand that this is so much setup required i learned a lot while watching these guys and people people were very kind enough to explain a lot of things obviously alexander alex explained a lot i'm actually watching a1 that's camp anderson who was absolutely flying he, he lost this he lost the world. Um, but I will, you know, and, uh, like the guys at Automatics taught me some stuff and it was good to learn, right. About a whole new class. Cause honestly, I went in there knowing absolutely nothing about this. So I had to do this was, this was, I figured it out by, by Friday, by Saturday, Thursday, how things were going. But man, I had, a, I had to learn so much about this, like learning different drivers. And I went around, I took a lot of time to go around the pits and talk to people learn different things and you know it figured it out by the end of the day but it was just i i really enjoy getting to know everybody in this i met mark Reinhardt. at first he's a little bit you know cold i would say when i first met him the first day but he warmed up by the end of the week you know um and then i met a lot of the spec races but me and max meshler kind of hit it off right off the bat and uh I don't know. He just because he says, "Yeah, I watch somebody a lot," and I was shocked. I was found out that these guys watch our you our channel. I was shocked that they did. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really like it's funny because even in Finland, when I go to the track, like almost every other guy is like, "Oh yeah, I listened to the podcast. You talked about this. Like, what's going on with this? Like, is it happening or whatever?" <laughs> so it's kind of weird. But there's a lot of people like uh, all around the world listening. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm not going to go into too deep in this because I'm planning on doing a whole podcast for this. But I just want to say that if you haven't had a chance, go watch some of the racing because qualifying was great. In spec class, uh, I met Mark Styles. I remember the end, last time that me and that guy, Mark Styles, had a vicious argument on Afro Facebook page, right? And then I met him, and he was fast in his spec class. Him and Max Mashler, it actually went down to a Q6, right? Because Mashler mm-hmm. won three. And then uh, did he run? Yeah, he they won three and three and three. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it came three. down to a tiebreaker. Mashler won it, right? And then I, I think that's kind of when it set in because you saw Mashler come off the stage and he was crying, right? 
yeah. he was so overcome by emotions. I was like, wow, this is this is the world championships. Like being emotional like this, being uh, you know, he's just so excited and so happy to do that. And you know, he wasn't afraid to talk about it, right? And that was good to see. And then um, Mark Styles drove so well. Another guy that drove really well was this guy, Robbie Dodge, an extra driver from America. He was good. Like, the spec class had so much competition because it was bigger, right? That yeah. was a lot more stacked, a lot more stacked competition than the, than the 12th, than the mod. And then uh, even in the racing, I think, uh, I think Mashler did it in two or did he do it in one? He did it in two. No, no. I remember he did it no, in three. No, Mashler, it, it, they split it. So see, um, I so tell you, I like, forget things so fast. Yeah, but basically, Mashler ran away with the first one. Um, but it it did become close. There was a point where you know there was right right next to it. So Mashler kind of you know ran away with it at the end. But A two, mm-hmm. there was there was tied at the beginning. Mashler with a mistake. Oh yeah, and, and then, then you know, Styles got it. I remember now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But the so, A three, A three, like Max, Max ran away with it again. Mm-hmm. I think the the, the mains they was much more exciting in modified, to be honest. But I mean, in respect, they was tight. But in modified, like like you can see here, this A one, like camps mm, awesome. and top top three are like within half a second. You know, it oh, doesn't I know this half a second, but wow. like these cars, yeah, this is the point where. Orlowski hits the side of the track. I don't know if he had something go tweaked or if he lost a bit of his tire or something, but he seemingly lost pace after this and lost rear grip, it seemed. Uh, so, yeah, Mark got by, and, and then he went on the challenge camp at the end of the A1. But Yeah, this was such a great race. That was such an amazing race. Um, but the qualifying was good, too, because this qualifying got split between three races. Yeah, so, yeah. Reinhardt took two. Arlowski took two, and then Kemp took two. And then I remember in his final TQ run in Q6, he, he got into the lead, and he has and I heard hefty, fat Jesus go, don't ease up! Like, he shouted at him, don't ease up! And he went on, and it came on to a tiebreaker, and he actually got the pull. And you see, he killed it her in A1. Like, he, he just drew And this, so this guy was the complete different, different from Mashler. He's 21, right? He was like... Yeah. A cyborg, no emotions. Yeah. yeah, you know, I just yeah. won and blah blah blah. His dad was, you know, more emotional because his dad's a good racer as well, right? His dad actually finished fifth over on spec, Eric EA. But this guy, this guy had zero emotion. Like, even when he lost, he's just like, you know, that that happens and blah 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 and da 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 and whatnot. Um, and then of course no, in A two, like- go ahead. Yeah, this I think this run is in like people probably don't really understand it but Reinhard, Orlowski and Hackberg they are they have been like the top three like pan car drivers for quite a while now obviously like Matsugura is, has been like the number one guy for mm-hmm. you know, the beginning of the 21st you know century he won like what three or four world championships of it but Reinhard also won one you know like it's not like these guys come here and just randomly race 12 scale but these like Reinhardt has won t- the 12 scale title like twice before. Yep, yep, yep. So, and he was the reigning world champion again. Yeah. So the fact that Kemp Anderson, like, yeah, he's he's probably known to the American touring slash you know pancar crowd, but like these guys, 
uh, like haven't been able to compete against the Europeans and the Japanese in on road for a long time. There mm-hmm. hasn't been an American driver like Kevin Hebert ha- probably was the um, the only guy who has been able to even at some level put a little bit of pressure on the Europeans, but not not ever like this where Kemp after after A one Kemp looked like the guy to beat. You know he was faster. Mm-hmm. Than both of these guys, he looked comfortable. He's starting on pole. Yeah, it came down to a very unlucky end. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think like this is what Kemp did is like really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's absolutely. not like a small feat. No, absolutely. Um, it was amazing, right? And then you could feel the excitement, right? And by the way, congrats, I forgot to say this. Congratulations to the Max Marshall on winning his back class. He was absolutely emotional after that. as He was like, all this hard work. He had been in America. He had been on the road for five weeks. He told me he had been to China, over there, over to, you know, he had been in America. Because a lot of these guys went to the Scottish race, the the Cleveland race, the U.S. indoor championships, because they have the on-road version, then the eight, then the 10-scale version. We'll touch on the off-road uh, on the next podcast, but he uh he went out there and he he just kind of you know he was so emotional because of all the hard work he's put in and he said I'm not a racer here for for there you see Kemp he's just emotionless like no smile no nothing he's like yeah. I'm not here for I'm not I'm not here as a racer I'm here as you know I'm I'm more I work for Automatics right yeah so we're gonna yeah, look at this sorry go ahead yeah so here's the start of the main yep. He made a big mistake here. So a lot of people were talking online about this, but you can see that he just went wide. Yeah. And this is where he lost the race. He went wide and then yeah, that was it. And this yeah, is where that Orlowski, was it too. Yeah. Yeah, Orlowski yeah, Orlowski and, and, and Ryan had a vicious battle in this too. Yeah. I mean, all of the modified mains, well, like A3 wasn't that exciting, but A1 and A2 were both like like high-end nail biters, you know, these were oh good goodness. races. And obviously, like, like from here on out, uh, from the first corner out where Kim kind of goes wide and then ends up tangling with uh, Orlowski, that was just unlucky uh, uh, for both of them. But, yeah, Kim made a mistake, and then it ended up costing, a, like, a little bit too much for both. But, yeah, no, I don't think anyone was really at fault there. Uh but yeah, then from here on out, it's just straight up racing for eight minutes between Reinhardt and Orlowski. Oh yeah, so. Orlowski made a great pass on him, and it was it was the the thing I noticed about this was like, you know, in off road you make a you make a little mistake, you're able to to kind of get back. Not in this, dude. You make a yeah. little misjudgment, it's like that's it. That yeah. guy's gonna be on you like that, yeah. um, and pass you. So A2 was a super exciting as well. And then A3, like everybody's good up. Like the, the, so, you know, I get it. Like this is an America. It's a world's in America. It's 12 scale. No, I think Barry Baker said no American race has TQ'd a world's any onward world, electric onward world since Mike Swagger did it back in 1996. Yeah. Or something like that. So this is a big deal. Like you said, the, the Europeans and Japanese have dominated this class for a very long time. So we have this young kid, father of a of a of a national champion in, in America. You know, they have their own track up there in Tennessee in Murfreesboro. Um they were her 
Like, and this was his chance, right? He made that mistake in A2. So he was ready for this epic A3. And I was so devastated when this happened because it was just, I didn't think this was going to happen, right? So they're yeah, getting ready to start. It's such an unbelievable thing to happen. but I know. Yeah. So here's the start. We're getting I ready to start. I couldn't believe it when I saw this. <laughs> you know, I'm all, I'm all geared up for this epic race to come up. And then this happens. Let me, I, I haven't even watched it. Yep. Ooh, I didn't realize it's so bad because I watched it, yeah. but then I was focused on Arlovsky. Let's watch that again. Oh man, that was yeah, that was rough. Man, that so was basically incredible. for anyone who like didn't uh, read anybody who's listening to this or didn't watch it, this is what happened. Camp went to go and his car didn't go. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But yeah, from from what I heard. Uh, it and what Kemp said too. It it wasn't like Reinhardt speculated that it was the order of setting mm-hmm. that Hobby Wing has, but it, it wasn't it because the car was still on when it, it they went to pick it up. So something else had gone wrong, and um, there's a picture floating around uh, of Kemp because he had to at the end he had to retire from A2 because he fell all the way back to the grid and. Mm-hmm. He came up a little bit, but then in the end, he had to uh, retire. And there's a picture of his car stuck under a pipe. It's like oh, yeah. it's like flat, like the whole the body is destroyed, like everything's just flat under a pipe. And my theory is that uh, something happened there. Some something happened there because, like that kind of issue, usually it's a sensor or a sensor wire or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's very likely that the sensor wire was pulled or clipped a little bit in that crash that happened in A2. Um, it wasn't on, on screen, but like later on when he had to retire. And that caused that issue in A3. So very, very unlucky. You know, very unlucky. I would say so. I would say so. All right, so we're going to finish up here. Um, we're going to have a look at just what happened at the end. Orlowski wins his first world championship. He has been, this place, Beach Line, has been his favorite place in the world. He, he's a back-to-back Florida Carpet Championships. You see him just relief. This young man, Stuart Mason, was very good as well. He, uh, Molly yeah. Payne, congratulating him. There's Iyasu Ishioaga. There's Hagberg, who comes up and gives him a, a thank you. Hagberg, so got to meet him. Hagberg was very much off pace at the beginning of this race. Yeah. He just he was the epitome of perfect. There's Reinhardt. Him and him and Arlowski are very good friends here, sharing a room. Donnie Leah, who has the NYGP, he was impressive as well. Sam Isaacs, who won the um the Scotty race a couple of weeks before, he's very good. But Hagberg was one of the guys that impressed me as a true professional. He went from not doing well. He was in the beast or Jan Rafiski from Germany, who doesn't even race this class much. He was way off pace. Like all week to qualify, like to about third round of qualifying almost. Like he was still, you know, he was finishing third and all that type of stuff. Yes, there was an accident here that caused him that, but he was in the right position. He ended up finishing on the podium. I think he'd be yeah. ha- obviously he wants to win, but I think he'll be happy with taking. There's Mashler who's congratulating him as well. Coming yeah. to graduate. That's uh, Ali Jeffers. No, Aust- uh, something Jeffrey. No, oh. Uh, was in pain? No, that's not. I forget. He is that's actually the spec one. world champion from last year. 
I can't remember his name, but yeah, I think, yeah. He didn't race. He was under there as a mechanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, like Hackberg's like third was kind of like, like a very, you know, Cavalieri-esque drive where he kind mm-hmm. of salvaged what he could and made it onto the podium. Reinhardt again, like he's just one of the most talented guys out there. Like when you give him a car and he just drives it. But I think now looking at like seeing all those people congratulate Michal here and him winning his first Worlds, like that that must be a big moment for him because he's he's had such a year, you know, such mm-hmm. a big year this year. And and, and like he can he's kind of same like uh Reinhardt and Goelho in a way where you don't really need to give him a lot of track time. You don't need to let li- like give him to practice that much. You just give him a car that works and he'll like take so much out of it, you know? Yeah, I I was happy for him. There's Mark Styles, there's Mr. Bean as I call him, James who who commentates for uh RC Racing TV. But yeah, Hagberg uh man, I mean, Orlowski, just super, super congratulations to him. And he did he he did well. Unfortunate for Kemp. Uh he was so nonchalant about it afterwards, Kemp. He's just like, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh man. Um, I was I was so I was just devastated because I was for me, I wanted to see an epic A3 race, right? Yeah. yeah. I I didn't really care who won it. I just wanted to see it be epic and unfortunate that incident didn't happen, but not for Arlowski. He wins it. He has got his first world championship. Congratulations to him and Schumacher getting their second in a row. Uh, Once again, I want to say thank you to everybody that welcomed me there to that race. I know this is not my genre. I'm an off-road guy at heart, but I will say that I came out of this race with a great appreciation for 12 scale and on-road racing. And, uh, to everybody that showed me love and helped me around and and just did it and to all the to all my teammates on the the on elite gene and everybody i think we did a very good job of covering it congratulations to those guys everybody involved i mean i was able to listen to the commentator the rd which was jared and i know this was a really big deal for him because he wanted to do this and he did a great job right he did a great job like everybody involved did a great job and you know what even even if Mark, like they, the you can see the new influence in them is getting better. They had Danny set up a camera on the finish line in case anything happened. I think they even used some camera evidence. Like they went back and looked at stuff as well to make sure some things were good. So it's good to see progression. Um, well done to Camp Anderson as well. Super that kid's got that kid. Well, kid is a young man, but. Man, he he was very fast. Uh, Max Mashler, shout out to you, man. New friend of him, new friend of him as well. Like you know, met a new guy, new friend. Got to have him on his podcast. Met Mark Styles, all the guys in spec that I met, um, and just everybody that I met at this race. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. I, I had a blast, and it was really good to see. Uh, and um, yeah. That was that was pretty much it, man. And I just wanted to show off something else I got at that race. Oh, you got uh, Alex's body. That's yeah, cool. man. These things are so light, Max. They're like yeah, it's crazy. paper thin, and they yeah. they got so light that they don't like. He was he was only the few one of the few guys that render painted jobs. Other guys just running uh, yeah. one one cans. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate because like 
like the painted bodies are a big deal in RC, you know, like mm -hmm. I think manufacturers should require it more of drivers to actually run it. It, it, make, it makes it much more distinguishable. Not only that, but on these platforms, you can see the whole paint job, you know, like on a yeah. body and stuff, it's a smaller <laughs> yeah. surface. Yeah, it's a, um, like touring cars and, and pan cars, people like it's, it's annoying to see like 10 white bodies running I made, you know. Luckily, it wasn't that bad. It was only it wasn't uh, that bad, yeah. Yeah, but it's the world, you know. Yeah, at EOS uh, or ETS, it's mostly just like green and and blue and I, yellow bodies. And I will say this: this is a class that I will follow. I will follow this more. I, I'm, I'm hooked I on the on road stuff, and I I love all things RC. And um, once I again, think, go ahead. I I've been in love with this class since you know since the beginning. I just never really like it's not a popular class. So like I've never had a you know situation where I would have spent time in this class, mm -hmm. uh, but I I've been loving it's it's like the cars are so simplistic, but it's still so high performance. I know, I and know, it's incredible. Skill, the downfalls, how they look, it's it's a great class. I love it. Yeah, it it was awesome. I I once again I cannot reiterate thank you to that genre of RC for allowing me to come in be a part of it. I hope you guys enjoyed what we did as well. I hope we did justice to your, to your side of, of the hobby or the sport. And I hope to be at more of these type of races over the next couple of years. And I am a fan. I love RC racing and I got interested in a new genre. I'm super pumped about that. Super pumped about that. Thank you. But I will have a full recap with Hefty over the next yeah. couple of weeks when he has time. He's kind of busy as well. So thank you, everybody, and thank you to Beachline. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to Max Maschler, your 13-5 spec champion, and the Polish Punisher, who's not going to have a day named after, a holiday named after him, Mikhail Orlowski, What first of, I think, many world championships to come. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And he'll be he'll be one of those, you know, Masami-type character who has I won agree. in each class. <laughs> I think so. I think so. All right, Max, uh, we kind of have gone three hours on this podcast. We are dropping another podcast to follow up on all my other travels and other news and silly season news. I think we're going to end it with this one. Uh, thank you for your time, Max. Uh, I appreciate it. And it was a great conversation getting back with you. I want to say thank you to everybody out there that supports the podcast. Oh, I almost forgot. So you see this shirt? It's got a hamburger uh, on it, right? I got this from JB Kathrakala. He's a 12 scale racer. He's a little taller than me, but he's fluffy like me. And I kept seeing the shirt and I was like, what does that, that what does that hamburger on his shirt like mean? I just, you know, it's his logo for his RC company. So we went up and we, we talked to him, we heard about it. And I said, hello, dude. I said, you're the only guy I know. Me and you are both fluffy. Get, <laughs> let me get one of those shirts. Like he said, well, I only have the ones that I bought. I said, I'll wash it when I get home. So he gave me this hamburger shirt. Um, I, I can't remember, but he does a lot of 3D printing. And this is his logo for his RC company. It's pretty cool. So it's yeah. pretty cool. I forgot all about it. Like I said, it'll be appropriate to wear it today. Uh, so thank you to JB. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Alexander Hackberg for being a good friend. Um, we, we, you know, it was great to meet you. And uh, we will talk more about 12 scale at a later date, a full recap on this race. With that said, I want to say thank you to all of the NNRC, uh, NNRC members and NRC YouTube members and patrons around the world. Thank you for all your help. We can't do this without your, your support. Uh, thank you to all of, uh, if you wish to be a member or you wish to join and help out a little bit more, you can have links for all of that on a written description of this podcast. 
Shout out to all these these companies that support the podcast, and we're looking for new ones going to 2024. You can find links, affiliate links, coupon codes, or just links for these companies in the written description of this podcast. Uh, if you and just help, it helps us out a lot. They are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Sun Pedal USA, Sai Wonder Fuel, Hot Race Tires, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Ignite Design RC, Stacked RC, Donathan RC, Racecraft USA. Shout out to the Florida RC Championships. Elite RC Productions, SJ Racing Builds, House of RC, RCGP, and of course our drivers, David Ronald, Jared Tebow, Robert Badia, Alexander Heiberg, Maddie G, Max, and Lefty. We are out. We will see you very shortly in episode number 264. With that said, we are out. See you later, Max. See you in a little bit. Goodbye, guys. <laughs>